I want your eye, man. I want those things you see through. Welcome to Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Azagari. I'm Caleb Jay. And today we're talking about a modern classic, Get Out, from 2017. Already five years old, which is fucking crazy. It's uh, just as effective as it was when it came out. Uh, obviously, we all saw it in theaters. You know, it's one of those theater experiences you can't really forget. Uh, I saw it when I was living in st louis missouri saw it with my brother and my dad uh my dad came to visit us and they're like oh this new movie came out let's go check it out and the theater was absolutely packed right it was one of those rare occasions where a non you know massive massive blockbuster non-marvel movie where the crowd was just rowdy and was ready for it and was screaming and you know spoiler alert when Rod says TS motherfucking A, everybody lost their shit, <laughs> you know? Uh, it's one of those one of those things you'll never forget. So I'm super excited to talk about Get Out. Of course, on the weekend that Nope, his new film, is out. And people, uh, we definitely encourage you to go check that out. Uh, Peel has now got a trio going on. You know, he's got, he's got Get Out, Us, and Nope. Uh, and it's going to be hard to top Get Out, of course. You know, it's kind of like one of those really special directorial debuts. But I think this guy's going to make like 15 fucking movies. You know, he's not he's not that old. He's definitely got a, a ton of ideas in the tank. So I, I'm ready to kind of see his career unfold as, as we move along. But get out. Super special. Four nominations at the 90th Academy Awards. Uh, when did you guys first see this? Um, I saw this opening weekend. I was curious. Uh, I went. I remember it was like an 11 o'clock a.m. Saturday screening at Draft House. There's, there's rarely anybody, you know, there's not a lot of people there around that time. And uh, I remember thinking like, wow, there's like seven people in this theater. And uh, then I saw the movie and I was like, what is this? This is a movie about stereotypes and like, you know, ab abolishing them. And like the way it uses kind of like the, the, the African-American experience in this country to kind of almost make the audience think in a way they don't, they wouldn't normally think just because that's yeah. the way the movie goes. Like, like for example, you know, when at the end, when the cop shows up, you immediately, your heart sinks and it shouldn't, but you, you know, the stereotype, you know what the movie's saying. It's really brilliant. I've never seen a film trick me like that. Yeah. And it does it the whole goddamn time. But it's also just a scathing satire and a brilliant horror flick and really creepy and really funny and unforgettable. I mean, for a debut, I mean, way to fucking, you know, come out strong. It is going to be yeah. incredibly tough for the rest of Jordan Peele's career to, to top this thing. It really is going to be difficult. Truly. Caleb? I, uh, so I saw this when I came also. I also in 2017 when I was in Washington at this little AMC not too far down the road from me, uh, Connor went to, went to go see the incredible F9 
Uh huh. <laughs> Different film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I remember when this was first like announced, right? Because uh, one yeah. of the sites I used to get my horror news is a little a site called BladeDisgusting.com. Um, it's kind of like my main go-to them in Fangoria. And um, I remember when they announced, they're like, "Hey, so Jordan Peele's making a horror film." Like the guy from Kimpo, I remember still going because this was, you know, before Halloween when it was announced that fucking, um, you know, McBride was writing it, and I'm like, yeah. so I'm thinking, why is a comedian make? Okay, whatever. And then you know, and I was a Kimpo Pill fan. I love the Kimpo Pill show. Same. I, I remember like, let me just go back and see if maybe I'm missing something here. And I go back, I was like, well, he actually does have some pretty like occasionally creepy skits that he specifically does in this show. So I was like, maybe he might. This might be good. I saw the trail. I was like, okay. I remember going in thinking, okay, let's see what this is all about. And, you know, like Connor said, like what I got was a film that delivered such scathing social commentary on America, on, you know, on um, race in America, I should say. And like you said, the African American spirits in our country and found a way to just constantly subvert. Because like you said, I remember the same thing when that when the cop car shows up, then my heart sank. You know, from from when you're a kid, you're taught that you got to trust police. They're here to serve and protect, right? That's the motto. But in this movie, and obviously in some real life cases that have been happening in America, you know, you watch and you just, you're seeing like, no, not the cops. Like, he finally got out of here. Got out of there. No. But then, you know, Rod pops up and like, I will never forget the experience. Like the whole crowd is just losing their mind. Yeah. Of like, oh my god, yes, it's Rod. It's yes. Rod. Yeah. <laughs> and um yeah, like Jordan Pill really just he blew my socks off. You know, yeah. to say it with this movie. And you know, yeah, I don't think he will top top it, but what I like is that he hasn't tried to top it, he just keeps trying to make good movies, you know, oh, with cool. us and now nope, he's not trying to top what he's done get out by any means, he's just tackling another thing he wants to look at with his films and the same with what he's been producing, what he's been doing for diversity behind the camera with uh, his producing credits for Candyman, Twilight Zone, Lovecraft Country. So yeah, that's what I really like. So yeah, you're right. I don't think he'll ever top get out. He might, I'm not going to say it's out of the question yet. He's only three films in writing, directing wise, but he set a high bar right out the gate. And, you know, he's at least gone on to do some really great things since then. Like he has not slowed down. Yeah, that's a good point. I think Peel is obviously one of the one of those one of those voices for horror, and he's a cool guy to have. I think he's like a cool guy. I don't mind backing him, you know. And also a huge huge Key and Peel fan. And you're right, uh, some of the stuff in Key and Peel, like he 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 knows film, like he knows uh, the the history of of this stuff, especially horror. Like he would do that that uh that Gremlins uh, sketch that they did was like this guy this guy gets like he gets it he fucking understands he's nerdy like us and so it's really cool to have him but uh yeah i mean we're gonna get into all things jordan peele and all things get out talk about us talk about nope in a little bit but before we do that what what else have you guys been watching besides jordan peele stuff this week what like what are y'all been getting into well connor first yeah connor what do you got Okay. Um, I mean, I, I know you watch Better Call Saul, but yeah. <laughs> I did watch Better Call Saul. Um, I'm also keeping up with the Orville and uh, what we do in the shadows. So that's my current TV lineup, and I am enjoying ah. more more than usual there uh, for your TV lineup, huh? Well, there's not really there's no Marvel and no Star Wars at the moment, so I was actually I'm it's quite light. <laughs> 
it's um, funny. But I've also been watching random flicks. Um, I watched on um, on Colton's recommendation um, this Netflix horror film called Cargo. Um, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. A really smart uh, zombie film that finally did something different. It takes place in Australia. It's you rarely see the zombies. And when you do, they're not like they don't linger on the camera doesn't linger on them. They're just like fleeting. It's very weird how they do that. Uh, Martin Freeman is a father who gets bit. He's got 48 hours before he's going to turn and he's got to figure out a way to get his infant daughter to safety somehow. And that's the whole movie is him trying to find like, how do I find anybody to take care of my daughter when I turn? And it is really emotional, very character driven and a really dark movie. I, I was really into it. Uh, definitely a recommendation. Okay. Thanks, Colton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He brought that up on one of our shows and I, it stayed in my head. So I checked it out and yeah, he's got good taste. Cool. And that's, that's Netflix, right? Yeah. Netflix original. Beautiful. What else? Um, I watched Ingrid Bergman's second Oscar win, 1956, ah. Anastasia. And uh, not that great. Got to say. Underwhelming. Okay. Underwhelming. Yeah. And I didn't think I'd say this, but she was underwhelming. Like, yeah. severely. I was like, I don't know if she should have this Oscar. Um, yeah. You're a big Ingrid fan. Yeah, I, know. I am a very big, big Ingrid Bergman fan. So that hurt. I was, I was very much like, what is this supposed to be about? It's about a, a, it's a true story of a con man who tried like a group of con men who tried to pass off this like crazy lady they found who kind of looked like Anastasia. They tried to pass her off as the real Romanoff princess in order to get their hands on a $10 million inheritance. And the okay. whole time you don't really know if she really is Anastasia or if she's come to believe that she's Anastasia or if she's playing along. And the ending kind of comes out of nowhere and it doesn't make any sense. Like two characters who kind of resent each other end up, running off together with no buildup. And you're just like, are you kidding me? Really? <laughs> and I was left like, that was lame. So not a fan of that one, regrettably. Um, and then I watched one where Brad Pitt was a Nazi who befriended the Dalai Lama. So it's been an interesting week. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's great. <laughs> oh man. Caleb, what have you been getting into? Uh not actually not uh not too much it's usually kind of filled with, like just watch random youtube videos when i get off work because i'm usually too yeah. tired to like invest in a movie um but you know obviously i like to try to break out of that online cycle because um in the horror community there you know it's getting a little toxic right now a certain trailer that dropped um not halloween ends another one so i try to get off as much as possible to get tired of it um but with that i'm with connor i've been watching what, what we do in the shadows the new season it's nice off to a strong start it is so fucking funny um this season um uh, i watched the premiere episode of american horror story season two oh um, not it was a good episode or a nice little twist ending to how it connected to like the main you know ah ahs franchise but as much as i'm a big fan of that series even i can admit that um storytelling sometimes um, they can cut some episodes out, I'll say that. So while it's a good start, and what I like with this one, with this spinoff, is that whereas each, in the main show, each season is an anthology, in horror stories, each episode is a different story. So it tends to, the first season was a little stronger to me, but they had too much reliance on connecting it to the main show. And I'm like, good start, just hopefully you know what to fix 
moving forward from last season, but solid start. Um, with that on Friday, I actually had a nice little double feature caught up on some stuff I wanted to watch. Um, and I watched uh, the Beavis and Butthead movie, Beavis and Butthead do the universe. Nice. It was like pretty funny. If you have Paramount plus and you are even interested, I see, give it a shot. I I was actually, uh, I had a good time. It's a really funny movie. Actually, kind of got me excited for the, the upcoming show because I know they're doing like a complete. It's coming back with Mike Judge attached to it, so I say solid. I was actually kind of impressed. Um, yeah, I'm a fan of that show. Yeah, yeah. I if about to say if you like, I I don't I, I don't know if the first movie is on Paramount Plus, but if it is, I'm assuming it is. You got a nice little double feature right there. Um, and then the the last thing, um, and if only Josh was here to hear me say this uh, he got me into this this little metal band known as guar um yeah if you haven't heard of them look them up it's it's a ride um i got into them and shutter released this documentary called this is Roar that chronicled in two hours you know from the very beginning to now um solid thing it actually um i gained a lot of respect from them and what they put themselves through day in and day out for their concerts or performances to you know give people something to watch how they had to achieve making these elaborate fucking costumes they were, but still be able to play their instruments, so we were to perform, which you found that was a big issue when they started because they focused a little too hard on the costumes, <laughs> playing hard at first. Um, and you know, it, it wasn't afraid to go to, you know, obviously some places. It's a band that's been around for a very long time since the late 80s. So, you know, there's been some tragedies, specifically, they lost their longtime singer back in 2014, Dave Brock. Yeah. Uh, he um, died of an overdose and they do touch that and I gotta say it got emotional even I was like it was like the, you know there's something in the room you know I had a <laughs> you know you really saw the hurt that uh, on those guys in that scene and how much that's affected them to this day you know it hurts them very much he was a good friend but you know it gives you that hope because you know they're still going they got one of their, one of their guys from their uh, original lineup to come back and he's been doing the singing ever since because in his words, he would, you know, Dave would want us to keep going. He wouldn't want us to quit and let this consume us. So they've continued the band, still going strong. But if you're a fan, if you're interested at all, highly recommend Solid Documentary and a very interesting band. Fuck yeah, that's cool. My brother's really into them. So I definitely, definitely know some tracks by them. I've listened to some albums. So I'm, I, I'll definitely try to check that out. That's cool. I didn't know that was that was a thing. This is Guar. Cool. Where no, um, where is that available to stream? Shutter. Uh, Shutter. Yeah. All right. I don't use Shutter enough, my friends. You know, there's too many goddamn streaming services, and I feel like sometimes I just forget that it's there. Uh, I know you guys probably don't, <laughs> but I, I I get so I watch a lot of sports and just fucking too much stuff to consume. Uh, I get get a headache sometimes, but uh, I relate to you on um, sometimes you just want to watch like videos on YouTube and like what I end up fucking doing though, is I end up watching like analysis of films and I'm like, Mm. maybe I should take a break from from this whole movie thing. But then, you know, I, I, this is my favorite thing to talk about. So, uh, well, the funny thing is I'll watch (laughs) these YouTube videos, but always way it's like gamings or film or metal. So it's not far off on stuff I like anyway. Yeah. I just know I don't have that mental injury without passing out to put a movie on. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Time time is definitely valuable and YouTube allows you to watch more stuff in, in, in a certain amount of time. So 
Uh, I, I watched a movie that you guys, I know, both like a lot. Um, Connor, it's on your voodoo. You let me know about it. It's uh, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. I finally got around to that. That was a blast. Uh, I love Nick Cage. I, I really enjoyed the scenes at the beginning of the film with him and Pedro just fucking hanging out, you know? Uh, I thought them two together was really cool, like a really fun hangout movie. And then the second half was, you know, this like intense action movie. I liked the first half better, but I still thought it was awesome. And I had a blast the whole time. Uh, my favorite scene would be when they're on acid. I thought that was like such a cool touch and a great drug scene. So yeah, if you're a Nick Cage fan, I'm sure you've seen that already, but that was fun. Um, then I watched this, watched a lot of stuff on Criterion this past week. Uh, I watched a documentary called Streetwise uh, about these about these kids, these at-risk uh, kids, that, teenagers that live in Seattle in 1983. Uh, it was up for Best Documentary at the Oscars. I didn't know that until I finished it. I was kind of surprised because it's such a raw and kind of gnarly documentary um, that gives you a pretty nasty look into some stuff that's going on there. Uh, really cool images of Seattle, though, you know, like real-life Seattle at that time, which obviously was becoming a hotbed for, for, for drugs and music in the 80s and 90s. Um, then I watched, of course, I watched, you know, us and get out that, you know, we all did that. Uh, I watched the vanishing from 1988. What a fucking crazy movie. Uh, I wanted to watch just a random horror movie from, from Europe that I hadn't seen and pure psychological horror for sure. It makes you, makes you really think about what the hell you would do in that situation. Um, really, really crazy abduction scene in that movie. Just very, very methodical and, I was blown away by it. I haven't seen very many Dutch movies, so that was one to kind of cross off, and I thought it was great. Uh, and then I rewatched a movie that I've been wanting to rewatch for a long time, and Josh and I talked about this maybe a year ago. We were texting in a, a group chat. Uh, it's called La Haine from 1995, French movie. That is just so gnarly, and in my opinion, is like the perfect double feature to pair with uh, Do the Right Thing from 1989, Spike Lee's masterpiece. Just just when you put same with get out when you put real words real things that relate to people on screen it can just be so effective if executed correctly so lion is is spectacular uh a 10 out of 10 type type movie for me so that was the last thing i watched last night and uh here we are about to talk about get out so it's been a good week for me just kind of like high quality shit uh really the it for me which is crazy the worst movie that i watched was probably us i'm not a huge huge fan of us i like it but i don't love it but that's that's good. If that's the worst movie I watched the whole week, that's a good week. <laughs> yeah, dude, The Vanishing has been on my list for a long time. I remember yeah. seeing that clip on Bravo's 100 Scariest Movie Moments, the ending of that movie, which is infinite, oh. being so out of nowhere and so fucking bleak. Oh, uh, yeah, so depressing. The it gave me is... a, a legitimate fear of that situation. Yeah. And, uh, I found the Criterion DVD a while back and I just keep meaning to make time for it. But I, I definitely want to I want to do a whole thing on Filmgasm with that movie. It's just it's I know I'm going to love it. Yeah, because it's got the it's got the English remake with Jeff Bridges starring in it that apparently is trash by the same director. And I've always wanted to yeah maybe pair those like for a Filmgasm episode and just kind of dive in. Because, yeah, man, this is right up your alley. It's 80s. It's weird. It's fucking scary as hell sometimes and yeah that ending is it's one of the most bleak endings i've ever seen in any film like hands down i need i need to check this movie out 
I need, yeah. I, need to, I just have to pick. I love how like us was your worst film for the week because uh, if I didn't, I wish I could say something like that. But I host a a bad film show. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I watch a bad film once a week on purpose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't do that. <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm actually I watching the one for. I'm watching the one for this week's episode tomorrow. <laughs> so, okay yeah we're recording we're recording on saturday night yeah. uh you know and yeah, of course if you're listening to this it's sunday already you guys have already seen nope earlier today or whatever and that's kind of strange i'm seeing nope tomorrow <laughs> when this episode is already out so weird but um let's talk about us let's talk about us and nope you know before we really get into get out okay i've seen it now three times i saw it twice in theaters and then I've seen like clips of it here and there, but then I sat down and rewatched it. I was like, let me give this another chance because first time I saw it, I'll say my expectations were too high. You know, I was like, get out was fucking amazing. Jordan Peele, here we go. And I'm obsessed with the Peter Nyong'o. Uh, like this is, this is going to be amazing. This might top get out. And then, you know, I saw that with Connor and my wife, Brianna, and all three of us were kind of like, damn, like that didn't make much sense. Did it? <laughs> and then I went and saw it in theaters again. Cause I was like, I must have missed something. And I'll, I'll, I'll admit, I was like, okay, maybe I was too harsh on it. I liked it a little bit more. And then I watched it this time and I kind of felt the same way. So I, not a whole lot has changed. I think Lupita gives one of the best performances of the decade uh, in that movie. She's fucking lights out. But where are you guys at? Like, how many times have y'all seen it? Like, wh- wh- what's your relationship with us? Well, this was my second time. I After I watched it with, with y'all, I was kind of like... If I don't like a movie, typically I don't really want to go back. That's that's my like I'm like all right, I saw it, I can say I've seen it. Let's 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 move on. Yeah. But, you know, the nature of these shows, stuff's going to come back and I yeah. knew it get out, I was going to want to revisit this. Um so I went out and I bought the Blu-ray on Amazon, came with a code, I was able to put it in Vudu for y'all. Thank you. And um there's moments in this movie that are fucking terrifying like it there, there's yeah. so many great moments in us but the whole thing doesn't add up it's just it's i think it's too ambitious for its own good i you don't feel the tightness that peel had with get out or with nope like this is okay okay nope beats us by a by a mile for me anyway okay all right um but yeah i'm with you with lupita she is amazing in this movie uh and I think the misplaced humor kind of fucks it up for me a bit. Like, yeah, the yeah. way people react in this situation are like they're making jokes, like they're murdering people in self-defense. And they're like, you know, I got the highest kill count. No, I got it. And I'm like, who the fuck would say that? Yeah, you're not legless and Gimli. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> you know, it's like eight year old and like a 15 year old kid. Like they're not going to be, you know, bragging about they just yeah. beat, beat some people to death. I didn't like how easy it was for the for the girl, the like 14, 15 year old girl to just grab a golf club and start killing people. I was like, that's I mean, it was like, like, what? Like, no, like crying or it's just like, yeah, I'm just going to kill these bitches. Like, what? Yeah. I and I, I, I didn't like the expo- like the lack of explanation for just an entire underground civilization of copies. Yeah. For for like the whole human race. Or, yeah. yeah. Like, is this just a, is this just an American thing or like, it, yeah. I don't. Yeah, it was just. It was a cool concept, but not particularly well executed. So after two viewings, I'm comfortable putting this away. It was the fourth episode of the Filmcast and Podcast ever. And the yeah. first one that we did together. Yeah, that's uh, right. 
So it's a pretty important episode for our canon, but on, like, I don't see myself ever watching it again. Yeah. Well, Caleb, I feel like you have differing opinions here. I'm going to have the hottest take apparently now. Okay, let's hear. Uh, it. I, I saw. I've only seen us once in theaters, but I walked away really liking it. Um, I again, I'm with you guys. The performances across the board are great. Lupita Nyong'o, obviously, especially when she does the weird fucking, like, can't doesn't know how to talk on her on her good. tethered. Yeah, that's terrifying. Um, I didn't mind the humor, but I it, look. Keep in mind, this is someone that's seen trauma films, full moon films, stuff by Corman. Like, I don't mind weird out of place humor doesn't bother me as long as i'm laughing and i laughed i laughed at the kill count thing i thought it was funny so the humor in it <laughs> the humor didn't bother me um and as far as the ending i will say i do think the 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 message the message the ambition the message overreaches the story if that makes any sense at all yeah, yeah. For um, with that i uh, i was fine not knowing how deep this reached Sorry, Connor. I didn't. I didn't need all the. It's just, it's just America. It's just, I don't care. I know. <laughs> I was fine with what they gave me. At the same time, though, yes, there was a point I was like, "This is good," but I do think you're. It's just a little bit, almost too much ambition. Like, sure, dialed it back. Like, maybe not have them tied to like exactly what they're doing up in the real world or up above, down to you know that. I'm like, there's a lot of logic issues with that. Like, what yeah, flying yeah. or. I'll say it. What if you're fucking? Okay. What yeah. the hell is yeah. they're doing down there? Shitting, fucking. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like you said, in a plane, you know, Swimming. playing, but playing basketball. Like, what happens Swimming. with like, NF, like NFL players? Do like, do all their guys just start like hitting the shit out of each other? Like, yeah. It, like these, yeah. I don't know. So that, that part, I was like, okay, maybe not include that they are having to do exactly what they do. Yeah. Um, and where do they get? They're like dressed similar. Like, where do they get those clothes from? Where do the where does that come from? Where that, does a where does a beer can come from? You know, like well, I I drew a lot of that from when they mentioned the government started this. So I was like, maybe it's leftovers from when the government was working on this, and then just possibly used out. Um, that's how I took it. But again, I, like I said, that was my only negative with it was yes, I do think the I will say the message kind of, and I get what he's going for, and I understand what Jordan Peele is going for. And I still think the message. For the most part, works. I just think it's a little bit more ambitious than the story being told. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's totally fair. And, and and look, I mean, you can't take your eyes away. Like once the movie gets going, and you're like, okay, this is this is this is you know this family. Obviously, something something crazy is going to go down when they see the other four in the driveway, and the dad walks out and is like, I thought I told you, <laughs> and he's basically doing a Jordan Peele impersonation. He's a like, I thought I told you to get out of here. And he grabs the bat. Like you get, you get chills like across your body. You're like, holy shit, this is fucking weird. And then when they disperse and start walking towards the house, it is like a brilliant home invasion moment. And I love that part. I love how Jordan Peele is able to have able to construct those scenes. Uh, As it goes along, I just get a little bit more disinterested. I think it's too long. I think Get Out's about an hour and forty, like without the credits and all that. And Us is like is like a little is like two hours. I think there's just a little too much fat on, it. and that has a lot to do with what like what you guys are talking about with the, the the you know the bigger bigger picture idea. But there there are some some moments in this that are brilliant, and I I do like when we finally see Red and um, 
what's the what's uh, the main one's name? Adelaide. Yeah, Adelaide. Um, when they when they meet and they're dancing, it's like this is I've never seen this before. And that's what Jordan Peele continues to do, right? He, he shows us things we don't fucking see, and uh, that's well. Let's go ahead and let that bleed into Nope. Uh, I haven't seen it, so you guys don't obviously don't spoil it. It's only been out for a little bit, um, but just give me like what like you like what's going on. You like the performances, like the writing, what, like what's up? Uh, I yeah, I really like the writing. I like how ingrained it is into the history of uh, black cinema. It's because okay. the main characters there, you know, it's in the trailer that they're descended from the the man in the first ever movie, the guy on the horse in that rotating image. So like they've been, you know, uh, loaning horses out to movie sets for generations. So I like that tie in to, you know, cinematic history. That's always exciting for me. There's a lot of references to the Scorpion King, like of, of all films, which had me rolling constantly. I don't know why they went with that movie of all movies, but that just made me laugh. <laughs> That's uh, great. The, the way Peel handles the alien thing is so unique. It's so weird and, and, and creepy. There's an extended sequence. Um, I won't this extended night sequence, I'll say that Connor knows what I'm talking about. That when you see it small, um, it's it's in it's tense, it's tense, it's creepy, and it goes on for a very long time. And I don't even mean that in a bad way. Good, good. Oh, I love hearing this. You know, I've been I've been reading a little bit ab- about it. Some people were like, oh, you know, this is this is his third best or this is better than us by a little bit. Or so, and some people are like, fuck, no, like this is cooler than get out because it's so wild and wacky. And I'm like, well, that's great. I love that there's different opinions about it already. Uh, that's that's when you know you have power as a filmmaker is that people go see your shit. And in this day and age, the way movies are, and the way theaters are, people still go see your movies and they talk about it amongst each other like that. That's really cool. It peels already in that place. For me, the, the scariest thing about this movie was a subplot involving uh, Stephen Yen's backstory. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, Kim. yeah. yeah. Okay. That fucked me up. That was so frightening. <laughs> the uh, thought like that happening fuck, was freaky. I did not have the same fear that you did, but I understand why you had that fear. It just got into my head. I was like, I was not expecting that. And now I was like, now I can't stop thinking about it. It was, it was weird and like just nightmarish and so possible so I, I i appreciated that i um and yeah there's just you know incredible sound design i was really impressed with that the the way the the ufo sounds like i hope this has a shot at some sound effects stuff and mm-hmm. camera work i was really impressed with the camera work in, throughout this movie yeah the cinematography is remarkable like he's i don't know if peel's been working with the same people throughout all three of these films but if he does he's got a hell of a team um, I don't think this is the, I think the get out guys, uh, it just did get out. And I think he was off. Yeah. Hoy, um, uh, it's Hoyt. I think Hoyt Van Hoytima or however you say his name that did. Nope. And he's worked with Nolan primarily. Yeah, uh-huh. that's right. Yeah, that's right. He like leveled up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm with, I'm with Connor. I really, I really like this. Um, I do again, without spoiling anything, I kind of want to touch on what you were saying to varying opinions. And I told Connor, um, because there, there was a lady like as soon as the credits rolled, like behind me, just out loud. Well, that sucked. And um, <laughs> like, I loud. Love, I, I love when I hear that. I'm like, 
why'd you even come to this <laughs> yeah i'm like god how i know as soon as i was like how long are we holding that in um <laughs> yeah. but, uh, uh i will say i do see this film being divisive because don't i don't want to spoil don't expect the type of pill film you've been getting i'll say it like that yeah this is that's this good is, that's good this is pill making a, a summer blockbuster but within sci-fi horror um so but if you, if you go with that mindset you'll have a good time to me he aces it it this was a fun ride it was scary it was funny it you know it had moments of troy it's crow tough glue it was like ooh ah and then you know everyone's running for yeah. lives um but uh just lots of good stuff uh performances across the board are great um i know some people probably get put off by Dan lewis performance because he portrays a very inward um, shall we say character he's very much keeps to himself type so it can be a bit awkward at times but if you understand the type of character he's playing it's fine like i had no issues with it personally hell yeah god i love i love kaluuya i love this cast i think it's really cool so yeah I, i'm fucking buzzing i can't wait to see it um and i'm glad you guys both enjoyed it so so you guys see his peel you guys see peel he's now made three movies where do you see him going from here? You, you you see him continuing to do the horror thing and just kind of knocking him out, producing, writing, helping other yeah. people out, make their stories. Like how, how many horror films is this guy going to make? I think he's, I think he's found his comfort zone. I think he enjoys doing horror and not just doing horror, but doing weird out there horror that no one else has done before. Cause I, I think he gets kicked out of that, you know, making his own stories, you know, realizing his own stories. And that's, that's great. I'm, I anticipate quite a lengthy career for him, like at least, you know, 15, 20 films. Yeah. I okay. don't, I don't, I don't see him getting out poor. I have, um, I read one of the things about get out and the making and get out. Um, and these are my two reasons why I don't think he'll ever leave for uh, the first one is when he was making it out, he mentioned he chose horror because he views it a lot like comedy and that, you know, you have to be able two times it's all about timing he said that's the yeah. thing with both comedy and horror that he said was so easy from the translations over it's all about that timing he goes the comedy had to get you laugh and horror i gotta get you scared um and then also he's been on a bunch of like stuff like eli roth's history of horror and yeah. I, mean, I again impresses me i'm forgetting that this guy's gave me some good shit in the genre but he's sitting there going on about like invasion of the body snatchers like he's just nailing these movies telling them what he thinks like he's so ingrained into the genre more than I even assumed. It's it's amazing. So yeah, he's not going anywhere. He loves this genre. Yeah, yeah. Peel feels like super dedicated to horror. It's, it's pretty wild. And with Get Out, he's admitted in the in the director's the commentary on this movie. Um, I think it's on if you have the Blu-ray, I believe, I believe it's on there. And uh, he talks about how he's like, I stole from the shining right there. You know, I stole from the omen right there. I stole from guess who's coming to dinner right there. And like, he just points it out and he's not afraid to be like, you didn't see it, but it's there. And now that you know, it's there, it's going to make you pay attention even more. And it's like, man, get out is such a rewarding fucking movie for people who want to study stuff and fall in love with, you know, the, the rewatchability of it. So God, what a guy super glad. This is the first time we've really gotten to talk about him in, in a long time on, on any of our shows. Like Connor said, we did get out in us a long time ago on Filmgasm when we first started. So this is this is special territory, and I'm, I'm glad we get to talk about his new film and kind of kind of celebrate him as a filmmaker. It's cool. Very Connor, cool. Connor, you do look like you had something to say earlier. Yeah, it was um 
that you know talking about peel's connection with horror there was a recent tweet where some some dude called him like the greatest horror filmmaker of all time caleb you were telling me about it i did i did tell you about this it was hilarious have you heard about this austin no i mean oh, let's wait. hold our horses on that yeah well that's like caleb and i were like really i mean he's good but greatest like three films but the guy let's, was well, like, yeah let's let him make more stuff yeah well the guy said I'm, like uh can't tell the story you got this <laughs> the guy was like there's no like no horror director ever has delivered three great films like this before and like we were like really and peel was like sir please put the phone down like he tweeted back like I appreciate it, but I will not tolerate this John Carpenter slander any further. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm. What does he mean? Does he mean like three movies out the gate or does he mean three movies in general? Like have your three movies what? in general. Yeah. Just I three mean, good I, horror movies. Alfred Hitchcock did that like 12 times. <laughs> Hitchcock, yeah. Carpenter, Craven. But yeah, I just appreciate the yeah. lack of ego on Peel's part to just be like, like, yeah, you know, thanks, but no, not even close. <laughs> like, yeah, no, yeah, he know, he know, he he's he's one of those guys that like game recognizes game, and he yeah. he understands. Like, I, I, he know he knows what came before him and how important all that stuff is. The thing that he's done that's so huge to the horror genre is obviously he's 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 a black filmmaker. Obviously, he has has that um, that kind of intuition as a black filmmaker, and he has those experiences as being a black person in America. Yeah. But what's so cool about him is they're like, get out of course deals a lot with, you know, racial issues and making fun of white people, which is great. Us is more like, you could kind of put in whoever you want to put into these characters. As far as ethnicity, doesn't matter. He chose black people because it's like, well, I want more black people to be represented. That's fucking cool that he does that it's not just like let me let me make a a movie that's racially charged let's do let's just make a movie that has black people in it the same way that white people have done for fucking decades you know Mm -hmm. like that's my favorite thing that he's done is he hasn't just made a bunch of get outs now he's got obviously got different stuff in his bag where he's able to just be a cool fucking filmmaker that has a bunch of ideas and he's going to be willing to cast people that look different than what we're used to in the horror genre and in genres period when it comes to movies. So I love that about him. He, he like single-handedly saved Daniel Kaluuya's career. Kaluuya was about to retire and quit because he was dealing with so much racial abuse when he was going to auditions and stuff. Cause he's got really dark skin and he doesn't have this, you know, classic Hollywood look like a fucking Gosling or a Jake Gyllenhaal. So he kept getting turned down for stuff. And then he tried out, he auditioned for, for Get Out. And the audition, the scene that he did was the sunken place scene where he has to do the single tear. And Jordan Peele was like, dude, you're like the best person I've ever seen in my life. And so after that, obviously he's made a career for himself and you got to thank Get Out for that. It's really cool. And yeah, look at it now. Peele and uh, Kaluuya are both Oscar winners now. Like they're- Yeah, Kaluuya's- to me, Kaluuya is the most talented guy under 40 in the world right now. Like, the guy's like 32 years old. What he does in Judas and the Black Messiah is fucking stupid. Stupid good. So he can do that and he can also... And he's British. <laughs> the guy's the guy's from the slums of London and look what he's done. He's come here and played Fright Hampton and he's been in one of the greatest American horror movies of all time. So, like, hats off to that guy. You know, I, I'm always rooting for him. Well, and I also want to 
that's a great segue also because um with the fact that you know right now we're just talking about ways ran directed right and like you're saying also what he's done just on that front for um diversity and obviously getting more minorities in the cameras both in front of and behind the camera i should say correct but also he's able to do that also with his producing work he's been doing that with i mean look at the fact candy man Yes, Candyman is directed Oscar. by a woman. Yeah, yeah. He handpicked her to direct it, and the only thing that kind of sucks is so many people are like, "Oh, drawing pills." Can't. I'm like, no, it's not. Like he produced it. He collaborated with her, I'm sure, but it's her film. Um, yeah, he did yeah. that with Candyman. You know, the fact that he specifically on the TV side tackled some like the Twilight Zone, right? Like, say what you will about what he did with it. You know, obviously, everyone has varying opinions of every Twilight Zone inc- you know incarnation past the original. But the fact that he chose that specifically, they're still known for being able to put social commentary up front and what it was doing, I don't think was an accident at all. You know, he did it on purpose and he used that again to further what you were talking about. And then same with doing something like Lovecraft Country, a show that dealt specifically with a mixture of monsters in America and, you know, racism because it takes place in the 50s. Um, Yeah. So he, you know, it's not just what he directs to, which I think is really cool, is that he does this with his producing stuff. So it's like anything yeah. he touches, he makes a point to do that. And, you know, I know, you know, we live in such a weird time where people, you know, see and they go, oh, whoa, SJW. No, man, he's he's letting people that fi- can finally feel represented and be seen on screen. And that's awesome that he's doing that. Um, yeah. People, both with what he writes, directs and what he's producing. Yeah. Yeah. He's just. I mean, like, he's obviously a team player and obviously wants people to, like you said, like, be put on that pedestal, get your chance to tell your story, have your touch on it. Because, yeah, I mean, let's be honest. If he straight up was like, I'm going to make fucking Candyman, he could have done that. He could have done that. He could have been that guy, but he wanted to give someone a chance. So I love that about him. It's a great point. Um, shit. Anything else to say about Peel before we get into our, our like, let's just fucking dive into Get Out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do this. All right. Alrighty then. For ready, I'm ready. Let's let's fucking do this. We got our awards to Quentin Tarantino for the best quote of the movie. Good luck, gentlemen. Uh, the Ennio Morricone Award for the best music moment. Also, good luck. There's 43 songs on the score. That is fucking crazy because there's so many little 30 second, 45 second bits that just pop in and out. Classic horror uh, and the Philip Seymour Hoffman Award. Which is great because it's his birthday today. We're recording this on Philip Smurhoffman's birthday. God bless him. Rest his soul. He's the man. My favorite actor of all time. If he were still with us, he'd be 54 years old. Crazy to, crazy to think about. That was eight years ago already that he passed away. Uh, that's for the best performance of the movie because PSH is, is the man. Uh, and the Roger Deakins Award for the best scene of the movie. Very hard to choose the best scene because this movie flows like, like nobody's business. It doesn't the editing is so on point. I can't, I can't believe it was not nominated for best film editing. That is crazy to me. Uh, so, uh, Caleb, I'll let you start us off with your Tarantino whenever you're ready. Okay. Uh, so this was tough because there's lots yeah. of good minds dialogue. But the one that stood out to me, and I remembered it when I saw it way back when and I was watching now. I was like, God, there's that line. And it's, when, it's during the party scene. And like, uh, yes. awkward moment of him talking to everyone, and they're so blatantly like racist. It's, it's not. It's almost like not. It's not even funny. <laughs> it's like this yeah. weird level of funny, but not funny. It's uh, it's uncomfortable. There we go. But one of them, a bigger gentleman, says, uh, "Fair skin has been in favor for what the past hundred of years, but now the pendulum has swung back. 
Black is in fashion. Oh, that guy. I just want to punt that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, an, man. Uh, that, that line to me and the way it's delivered, it encapsulates everything that, you know, Pill's saying in this movie. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> it is like, here's a really white dude trying not to be racist. Yeah. And it's yeah, being yeah. totally racist. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That scene. Woof. That's, there's a lot going on there. Everything that's said to Chris, like from the Tiger Woods thing to like, oh, is sex better? All that stuff is like, oh my God. And Chris, he handles it like a champ. I'll say that, you know, all the way up until the uh, famous Lakeith Stanfield scene. Uh, that's, that's a good pick. Um, can you imagine being, you know, like Jordan Peele wrote this stuff down, you know, like all, all these things. I'm sure while he was writing it, he was like, oh yeah, that's fucking... That fucking is gold. You know, this this represents what I'm talking about. So it's a great pick. Uh, Connor? I love in that that whole scene, the whole movie just encapsulates the whole, like, you know, not overtly racist mentality of people. Like you said, people trying not to look racist. Like, you know, normal people don't ever worry about not looking racist because they're not racist. Like, mm. and the way the movie, like, tries to be, you know, like, positive about it like they're they're they think they're being polite it's, it's yeah a crazy mindset and the, this movie captures it so so amazingly it's hard to explain but this movie knows it like it's exactly what i'm talking about yeah when you're watching it when you're yeah. watching this that scene specifically you're like man like this this is like what movies are for is like explaining <laughs> these things that we can't quite uh, mm-hmm. articulate yeah it's perfect the old guy being like you know but i know tiger like, geez, yeah, oh, I love Tiger. Tiger's his favorite. Yeah, the way, the way that lady is so like all filling him up and like real close, and then looks at her husband like, "Huh? Is it like, better? So is it better? Yeah, like oh. God. I'm like, uh, oh, this is uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Hey, oh, I almost, boy, I almost went with your quote. I almost went with that because it's just so insane to say something like that. In any situation, in any to assume like, hey, black is cool now. Like, oh, okay, whoa, 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 Grandpa. That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> holy shit! Had, had had a little too much wine. Yeah, and the way the way the way that that scene is set up is like is so seamless. It's so good because you know they go up there for the weekend da, 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 to meet the parents and meet the family and then you know Allison Williams does such a good job in this movie of acting like she doesn't know what's going on uh so the first time you see it you're like Rose is fine and then, and then like 30 minutes left of the movie you know Rose give me those keys and she's like oh, you know God. I can't can't I can't give you those keys babe you're like fuck you Allison Williams I never want to see your face again <laughs> little things like you know the silent auction with just Chris's picture in the background and them going like you know yes yeah. holding up numbers like the fifth pound he does syndicated yeah yeah um yeah i almost i almost went with the immortal line from bradley whitford you know i would have voted for obama a third time classic (laughs) i I laughed i definitely laughed when i I was like jesus christ dude greatest president of my lifetime hands down yeah oh my god i love it i love I love the way Daniel Kaluuya like looks out at the landscape and he's like, ah, I agree. 
<laughs> it's like he kind of knows he's like yeah just give just give him this bone you know give yeah. this weird white dad like his moment yeah like just ride it out you'll see them at the wedding and then you never have to see them again <laughs> like he, that's what he's thinking <laughs> yeah um, oh jesus but there was a line that i didn't i didn't notice the first time i saw this that had me just like wow the implications here and it's when um chris is getting the tour and oh. <laughs> i think you i think you chose mine <laughs> i might have it's when um bradley woodford showing him the picture of, of jesse owens and that's my that's my tarantino too yeah it's such a great line because it's the whole movie you know, uh, yeah the, the, says, once you find out once you find out that the grandpa is the one who's like yeah. started this stuff you're like oh my god he really never got over it <laughs> it's such a great line he's explaining that jesse owens beat his dad or his granddad at the um the race in Berlin where Hitler 1936. Yeah. Famous race. And Chris goes tough break for your dad though. And Bradley Woodford goes, ah, yeah, he almost got over it. Jesus. Knowing what's going to happen. It's like, Whoa, I I didn't see that the first time, but this time was, I I couldn't stop thinking about it. (laughs) Yeah. Same. Yeah. There's stuff like that. That happens like when you see obviously when you know when you know what you know and you know about them being complete monsters it's that's that's the shit where you're like this is screenplay like 101 this is like genius stuff from peel i i love that bit of dialogue from dean of course his name's dean you know <laughs> the dad whitford is lights out in this movie so is Catherine keener I, really everybody does such a good job um I, I i chose that as well the whole that whole bit of dialogue i love when dean is like this black dude comes along and proves him wrong in front of the entire world, you know? And you're like, Oh, what the fuck? Uh, but my like favorite, I wrote that down as like my true Tarantino, but like my favorite like bit from this movie is Betty Gabriel, who was completely robbed of a, an Oscar nomination when she says, no, 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 no. <laughs> after the whole, of the whole phone incident of, of her, uh, the, the phone getting unplugged. Um, because in that moment, we don't know the first time you're watching it. You really forget because Betty Gary, Betty Gabriel is so good. You forget that it's a white woman and a black woman's body. And so Betty Gabriel as an actress has to play multiple personalities in the same, in the same moment. And so she does that. No, 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 no thing. And then she's crying. And then she says like, you're like a real piece of work to Chris. And Chris is like, what the fuck? Like, and this bitch is crazy. <laughs> I love that bit. The no, 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 no thing is like always been something I've been super creeped out by. And she's doing so much acting in that scene. It's like, it's really fucking amazing. And, and then to pair that with um, the grandpa, you know, a real doggone keeper. <laughs> I, I had that whole thing as my backup. Cause I was like, I don't know yeah. why but that. Yeah. When he's like one of a kind. Top, Top of the line, line. Yeah. real dog. Like the way he delivers that in like the sing song fashion. Yeah, it's like what the hell, dude. And yeah, you know what you know. Like, dude, that's your granddaughter. Let's calm that shit down. Yeah, like <laughs> Jesus Christ, a real doggone keeper. Yeah, and he's just fucking cutting wood. You're like, oh, that guy is a fucking monster. Uh. Yeah, it's crazy. The, this this screenplay is amazing. In my opinion, this was the hardest one to choose of all the awards because really you can just scroll through 
any of these, you know, these quotes and all of them are amazing. There's some amazing stuff from Rod, from uh, Lil Rel Howery, uh, Rod Williams, where he's just going off. He's like, sex slaves, sex slaves. You know? when, he's ta- when he's talking to Detective Latoya and, and her two, yeah, it was such a great, such a great scene. she brings the other two in and she lets them say everything and they just start laughing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's like, don't ever say I didn't give you anything. <laughs> incredible oh your boy's missing no no not my son not my son like my friend my friend's missing yeah the like one of my favorite lines ever and i i I easily could have had this is right at the end of the movie when rod shows up and he gets in the car and they just sit there quietly and then rod as the best friend has to inevitably say i mean i told you not to go in that house (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) i love when he calls and she picks up and she starts pulling the whole like you know you want to fuck me? He's like, no, bitch, I don't want to fuck you. Yeah. Calling she's, she's a genius. She's an evil genius. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Rod, yeah. Laura Howery is never going to have a role as fucking amazing as, as Rod Williams, TSA no. agent. And, and don't forget, the dude's done some great comedies uh, since then. Um, but, yes. Uh, fuck that Seth Rogen produced thing with the kids and the drone. God damn, I cannot remember the name of it for the life of me right now. I don't think I've seen that. I've seen the one where he's with John Cena. That movie's kind of funny. That movie's really funny, yeah. You didn't know the one where, I forget, the, I have to look it up, but it's a bunch of middle schoolers. So everyone produce it. Dad goes away for the weekend, and they mess with, they break his his throne, and they mm. have to go get a new one. It's really funny, and Lil Ray Howard plays the dad to one of the kids. He's And they're like, he's getting divorced, and it's funny. He's like, yeah, so now you're going to have like two Taco Tuesdays. You go to her yeah. house. house. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, he 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 has some 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 wonderful timing, so he does. And I love this character so much. Uh, he's great. He's the only friend that he actually has. Are you talking about Good Boys? There you go. Thank you, Good Boys. Oh, I've seen Good Boys. That movie is funny. I so funny. I was kind of drunk when I saw it, so maybe that explains uh, uh, why I don't why I don't remember the premise. <laughs> I don't know why I'm mind blowing. I was just like, God damn it! But yeah, good fucking movie. Did y'all see a bad trip that movie he did with Eric Andre? Oh my god, yes. Oh, that was funny too. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. He's got a nice little resume. I love him in Free Guy. Like he's becoming one of my yeah. favorite comedic actors. He, he's a great comedic actor. <laughs> I haven't I haven't seen Free Guy. But yeah, Laura Howry has taken over like a specific lane. And you know, he's kind of like the the hype guy who's, you know, yeah. just like really, really got that high-pitched voice and I prefer him to, you know, like fucking Kevin Hart, you know. So um, I'm rooting for Laura Harry. Kevin, yeah. Kevin Hart's really depending on who you get him with. Like with The Rock, he's great, but it's, it's all based off who you pair him with. Yes, I think Laura Harry can kind of work with all kinds of people. You know, obviously yeah. John Cena, Daniel Kaluuya, you know, Brian Reynolds. So yeah, good shout. Love that guy. Uh, I don't think he's gonna win, you know, the award for the best performance of the movie or anything, but uh, he is. He is great. Um, Not let's there, see. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's do let's do the Ennio Morricone Award for best uh, best music moment. This is a uh, quite a frightening score, and it's got some good music moments as well. Like at the beginning of the film, there's that really creepy scene with uh, with the brother and uh, uh, Keith Stanfield, of course, with uh, Andre Hayworth, and that's an amazing scene to open a horror movie with, right? It's like it's like very very odd, and it's a completely different setting than what we're about to be be in for the rest of the movie so i love the the opening and i think uh run rabbit run is playing at the beginning of that um and then you got red bone by gambino but like uh the score is so good i i, I know that's kind of where i went but uh how about you guys connor 
yeah, I if you know me at all, you know that if a horror score has strings, it's gonna get yeah. in my head. And the opening of this film, as soon as the uh, you know, the credits roll and that creepy ass string score starts playing, and all of a sudden, like you're in the twilight zone and things aren't normal anymore. And it's it's such a great kind of way to pull you into this insane world. And yeah, I, I went with that that bit. I don't know what it's called. But yeah, it's the the creepy ass strings in the opening credits. The the opening like with like the Swahili chants or or no? Right before that, when the when the title okay. cards come okay. And you see you see Daniel Kaluuya and yeah, Allison Williams. Okay, all right, the, the opening credits. I know what you're talking about. I think it's just called Get Out opening title. I think that's just what it's called. Yeah. Good shit. Mike, Michael Abels is a fucking he's he's got a touch that I really really enjoy. Um, it's him, and later in the score, there's there's another guy, I think, uh, something Williams. I want to say Timothy Williams. Uh, he also worked a lot in the score, so it's kind of like a, a duo, but Michael Abels gets all the credit. So, uh, Caleb, what did you choose? Well, I was quiet for a reason, because Connor's two for two and picking the same stuff other people pick, because I also put that opening credit sequence. Um, the whole thing, really, from yeah, what you were talking about with the strings to the, the chant, um, dare oh. I say, it kind of, I almost kind of got the feeling that People was going for like the old school sounding like slave music. Um, yeah, that, for that's sure. what it felt like to me. Um, yeah, I think that's why I put it. It stuck with me since the film came out. I, I, I. That's actually the main bit of score I remember to this day from the film. And not that the rest score like is subpar. You know, after this, it's a really good score. It's just this was the one. This is the part of it that always stuck out to me since the film first came out. Um, it's just like you said, like constantly, it's creepy. There's just something about it creepy, and it to me it really sets a good mood. And then it's the mixture of uh, the the background. Like I love how they're showing this desolate out there background to show you, like he, you know, it's there's not many people around. Like he's in a situation where he is one of the few people in this area. Um, yeah, I, I love how I, with the score and what how it's the background they use it for create that vibe, that atmosphere for the rest of the film. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's brilliant. And it's what it's like become iconic at this point that, that chanting is like, it gets under your skin and you feel, and that's, I've looked up the translation of that, of that, that language, the Swahili version of that song is translating to basically listen to your ancestors, get out of there, listen to your ancestors, get out of there. It's like, Oh my God, dude, that's so fucking cool. Jordan Peele's the man. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's fucking creepy. <laughs> like, and yeah, this movie just, it's one of those I feel like in 2085, we're going to be like, Get Out is one of those. It's like one of the one of the films from, from the 21st century. You know, like I think, I really do think it's that important, that good, and that rewatchable. Um, Connor, you mentioned the scene earlier, the auction. Um, that's my favorite bit of score. It's called The Auction. Very, very creepy, very subtle. Got some strings going on, but the piano in that is like, oh my God, I can't, I can't fucking handle it. You're watching Whitford up there, you know, doing the stuff with his hands and nobody's talking, you know, and they're, and, and they're holding up bingo cards because that's their, that's their, uh, their code word essentially uh, around, around whoever's going to be auctioned off. He says, let's lighten up the party. How about some sparklers and bingo? And then that's when Allison Williams, she hears bingo and Allison Williams says, all right, we're going to go on a walk. 
And that's when she takes the person that's going to be auctioned off away. And then they have the auction. It's like, this is like clockwork for them. Like they do this every fucking year, you know, they auction people off here. Um, and it's just gets, it, again, gets under your skin and fucks you up. And when you see Steven Root, when he find, you know, he gets it and he's, he kind of like looks up, obviously he's blind, but he looks up and the music is like, it's like ticking. The strings are like ticking. It's like a, like a clock. And you can take that in like a lot of different ways. You can interpret it in a lot of different ways. So I, I love this score. I think the, my second place would be the ukulele song, which is what we hear as Daniel Kaluuya is walking back to the house after taking that walk. And he's about to go back in the second place and back, you know, um, to possibly get his brain like cut out and whatnot. So um, super creepy stuff too. And What's that? What's that? Um, what's the brother's name in the movie? Uh, mm. it's, it's escaping me. He, he's such a fucking prick, and he's actually playing the ukulele. On I the know porch. the I, I know the actors. Uh, Jeremy Andrew Jones. I forget. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember his actual name. in The movie Jeremy. Jeremy. Jeremy? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, Caleb Andrew Jones is wonderful. He's a great actor. But that right. that scene when he's playing the ukulele, I'm like, man, that motherfucker. Like he's. Something about him just obviously he, irks he, you. He's such a slime in this movie. Yeah, yeah. He is, he is. so sleazy and just slimy <laughs> in this fucking movie. Ugh. Yeah, it's like, it, it, it's so fitting that he has like a lacrosse stick, uh, likes to talk about UFC. And it's funny how the way he dies is by getting wrestled down after talking about UFC. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love that stuff. Uh, and, you know, Dean dies from that fucking antlers after talking about deer talking shit about deer at the beginning of the movie. I, I love when they get theirs from stuff that they thought they knew about. That's <laughs> so cool. Uh, yeah, no, Landry Jones is wonderful and I want him to get more work. You know, I think the guy is like a rock star and he's super creepy in this, but uh, yeah, the auction in that and it, shortly after we heard that ukulele song and he's actually playing the ukulele. And I, I think that's a great touch, but um, yeah, man, this score score is great. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. It's great. I, I love the, you know, the reappearance of those strings randomly throughout the film just to keep you on edge, just to keep you unsettled. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so good. Uh, yeah. No, it's 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 one of the few like score like horror scores where I feel like that repetition is not only necessary, but like is worth it. It's like so, so worth it. Because a lot of times I feel like and I don't want to just blame horror. I think a lot of movies do this. They replay stuff. And it's like, okay, you're just leaning on that because you don't know what else to do. It's not a lack of creativity. Get Out has plenty of going on in the score, but it's to remind you of like where you are. It's kind of to remind you of like this, this is unsettling and, and obviously very creepy. Yeah. Great stuff. I, love, I love how the score, it does what score's supposed to, which is it reflects what's happening in the movie at that time. Correct. Yeah. It. You know, like the the score does a great job of at certain points being light, you know, and fun, making things seem good, and then all of a sudden within the same scene taking a turn down a darker route, or you know, doing you know the server that which is a joyous song where creepy shit's happening. Yeah. yeah. And it does that at the very beginning with the needle drop of Run Rabbit Run. It's like this 30 song that's like super boppy. And you have you see Jeremy come out of nowhere and fucking grab Lakeith Stanfield and just choke him out and put him in the trunk of a car. And you're like, Jesus Christ, you know, 
Um, and then you see, when you see Lakeith again, you're like, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> uh, this movie just got, this movie just got darker. Um, all right. Who won the movie? Who's, what's the best performance of the movie? Uh, Caleb, let's hear yours. This, like the line, was one of the hardest decisions of my entire t- 29 years of existence. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I get it. There, God, everyone's getting this from Kalir to Stanfield. You know, he, he's in it for so little, but makes a mark in this movie. Yes, he um, does. Out of all of them, though, and I, I, who knows, I might have a repeat with someone who, who knows we're about to find out. Um, I ultimately went with Bradley Whitford because and this is why this is what made me go him. And I, it's funny. So when the movie ended, I was looking at the cast list on my phone. I was like, who the fuck am I going to pick? Dear God. Like Allison Williams, um, Connor, I know you've seen it. The perfection. She is just fucking true. Yeah. Tremendous actress in general between this and the perfection really like what she does. Um, but I went with him because when I was watching it this time, right? It's like maybe my third, fourth, fifth, whatever time watching it, and really paying attention, obviously, for the show and for the awards. Um, I hone on the fact that if you pay attention and you know what's going on, you can see in his performance how much his character is acting. Yeah. If that like yeah. that yeah, you can see how much of a how he, you get to me like he does this literally every single time. Like he says the same thing, he acts the same way every single time. Like you were saying earlier with the whole scene where you know, oh, let's go for a walk. This is just a second nature to them. So right. you can see, and then you mentioned when he said, like, you know, he almost covered it. There's times he kind of slips when he says things like that. Like he's he's done this for so long that he can say comments like that, knowing, well, we got you, you're here, you ain't getting out, you know, so you can get away with comments like that because they don't know what's going on. And it's a it's a very because that's one of those things that I like with, and I always say it's like movies like this or Sixth Sense where like the twist only works as well as to if you can go back and watch it and it still makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's And that's the case with this film in general, but the case with his performance is that it makes almost more sense watching it that second time, knowing what you know and going, oh, shit. And his performance, alone, I'm not saying just and obviously you can apply to everyone, but really, especially to me and Bradley Whitford's performance. Yeah, no, it's a, that's a great, great call. And he is wonderful in this movie. Obviously, he's a piece of shit, but like Bradley Whitford is a, he's a doggone keeper. I'll tell you that. Uh, he's, he's amazing. He, the way he does like the, the, so how long has this been going on? This thing. I'm like, oh, yeah. oh my man, my man, yeah. my man, that whole Obama <laughs> comment. You know, I would have voted for him the first time. Best yeah. person I've ever had in my lifetime, at least. I'm like, all right, dude. Yeah. That's that's yeah. great. I I you can totally see that he is playing a character in the you know in the movie. D- Dean is playing a character. Yes. Especially when he talks about the deer. That little speech about the deer, it feels so stilted because he's basically reading off cue cards in his pocket. It's like yeah. that's that's bro that's great insight, man. That's a good choice. Like Yeah. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, we we actually never like we never really see, we see Dean, the real Dean for like a very short time, you know, mm-hmm. he's cause he died cause he fucking dies. <laughs> but like, we we're always watching Dean playing somebody and, and, you know, we see Rose snap, you know, we see Rose like snap back and we see her for more time than, than we do Dean and Missy Catherine Keener. I love her to death, but there's just something off the entire time about her that you're just like, okay, I, 
I, I think she's almost over the performance and she's like, let's just fuck these people up. You know, like, I feel like she's almost, Dean is like, he gets off on it. He's like, I love yeah. doing this. This is like, this is like my job. This is my duty. And it's, God, that's so crazy. Yeah. And you can even see it in facial. If you pay attention to our close-up shots with him, you can see it in his facial expressions too. Like there's just facial expressions where you're like, yeah, he's acting. He is yeah. not. This is this guy's putting on a whole facade. He's so over it. But at the same time, like you said, I think he gets off on that power that he has. I mean, yeah. I would, and then we, because when he delivers that speech, you know, we are gods trapped in cocoons. I'm like, oh, he's getting off on this. But as soon as he said that line, I was like, he is getting off on this so hard. It's actually kind of creepy. I mean, yeah, he's yeah, it literally is. a surgeon playing God here. He's, he's created immortality. Like, yeah, of course yeah. he's going to go to his yeah. head. <laughs> really, really fucked up. Oh, God. <laughs> what a movie. Connor, who do you have for uh, the Philip Summer Hoffman? Uh, this this was this was tough. I I, I juggled uh, a few people. I did have Wilbur Howery written down briefly. I just love his um, you know his juxtaposition in this movie. Like you've got this crazy dark shit happening, and then you've got this like goofy one man TSA agent adventure happening over here that ultimately you know gels with the story in the best way. But I just I love that. And uh, he ends up being right about almost everything. Uh, I went, I almost had Lakeith Stanfield. Like Caleb said, it's brief, but God damn, does he make an impact? Just the, the, the facial acting in the flash from going from, you know, white man to, you know, trapped in my own head. You can see it in his eyes and in the way he's holding his face in that one brief second, he turns. It's such a brilliant bit of performance. Uh, but ultimately, I did give it to Daniel Kaluuya. Same. Yeah, it, there's just no, there's no contest here. He's he is just acting circles around everybody. <laughs> frame like frame by frame, we are with Daniel Kaluuya on this gnarly, gnarly ride. And God, the guy's a fucking amazing performer. Um, that sunken place scene. It's like I've never like hit the hit the way his eyes are. It like brings me to tears. It's like, oh my god, this guy. You know, he's talking about his mom's death, yeah. um, and the the physicality of the performance too, especially towards the end where he has to get physical. It's really impressive and reminds you that Kluya is gonna be around for a long, long time. Like this guy has, he can do anything. Like he's already, you know, he could be kind of like a warrior in Black Panther. He could be fucking Fred Hampton. He can play this, he can play this, you know, Chris guy, this photographer. And like, I believe him as a photographer. I believe him. So yeah, man, I, I went with Kalia as well, but this is, it's, everybody's so good. That's why this movie works as well as it does um, from, you know, Kalia to Williams, to Keener, to Whitford, to Landry Jones, to Betty Gary Briel, to Stephen Root, Stanfield, Lil Ra Howry, everyone, Marcus Henderson as, as the grandpa, everyone is fucking amazing. And that's that's like why I think that's why movies last the most is when everybody is is hitting. I think that's when movies last the longest. Does, does oh, yeah. this make me like racist? That I picked the white actor. No, not at all. I'm I on an island no, now. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. No, your reasoning is like is incredible. And I, I if you pick Catherine Keener, I would I would I would be okay with that. If you pick Caleb Landry Jones, I'd be okay with that. Allison Williams is freaky in this movie just what she does with the fruit loops the single fruit loops and the milk is yeah. like what the, are, are you 
is this a clockwork orange? Like I, she's ultimately creepy. So I don't think, I don't think there is a wrong answer. I, I tend to, when we do these shows, even more so than Connor, when someone carries a movie, I have a hard time picking anybody else. And Kaluuya is like frame by frame in the whole thing. And I, I, I love the guy. I just, I, I can't take my eyes off of him. He's, he's incredible. That serial thing you brought up with Allison Williams is so weird, but so true to the character. Cause it is the ultimate, like a level of racism that is so wild. Like she literally is separating the white milk and the colored cereal. Like that's what she's doing. Yeah. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> Meanwhile, having the, the most uncomfortable phone conversation, as you see her clearly acting. Yeah. The, no oh god and you're like yeah but she's stoic all body stoic and you're like oh and behind and she, her is the wall of victims her trophies yeah so she hung those motherfuckers up after he left and she's wearing like a white turtleneck that i just i'm like no like no you're i i i, I need you to die <laughs> I, need, I, I can't have you leave this movie <laughs> oh that's okay. no, I, it was this was hard because yeah, like I said, Darren Kalu. I I usually try to go outside the main actor because obviously the main actor is going to act circles around everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one it was tough because Kalua is fucking just crushing it. Yeah, yeah. and that, I mean yeah. that one scene alone when he's like during the the um, getting hypnotized and he's crying stuff so like holy shit. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. I can't believe he does like that scene is so lights out and. I love this. Yeah, I love I love the way he delivers the dialogue and how he's like keeps it cool. And then when he gets on the phone with with uh with uh with Lil Harry with uh, with Rod, he's like, "This is fucking crazy." <laughs> you know, he's like, "You know that guy uh, Andre was like was with the lady, a white lady who's thirty years older than him." He's like, <laughs> he just gets to be himself when he's on the phone. But like that whole movie, he's acting. He's trying to be a guy. He's trying to be a black guy that white people won't be afraid of. And like shame, you know, shame on, on obviously our society, but that's how this movie got made. You know, um, that's how, how a story like this and a movie like this got made. I find it so fascinating that this movie got filmed during the Obama, um, you know, during his presidency uh, and comes out right after we find out about Donald Trump becoming the president. Such, such an interesting time in American history uh, and a dark time for a lot of people. And this movie felt like something that was our, like was for the people, like was for humans that are like here living life and going to work every day and trying to make ends meet. Get out feels like something that you could latch on to. And like, that's, I mean, ultimately that's what art's for. Right. And Chris's character is like going to become iconic. He's going to become, he already is. And he's going to become even more iconic as time passes. Well, it, it helped that Peel went in making a film that wanted to touch on an already hot topic in America, which is, you know, the black experience in America. Um, and then just the coincidental timing of, you know, Trump becoming president and how that, yeah, you could easily say, you know, divide the country even more during his four years. And I, th- I would say we're still trying to recover from that now. Um, yeah. But, you know, because of that, it was almost like the, the life emptying art or whatever you want to call it, but the timing just coincided to make this film even more timely. I know that Correct. probably was, 
Yeah, and I know that probably wasn't Pills' inten- intention at, at the time. Like he was probably like everyone else. Who knows who's going to get elected, right? It's just hap- you know, lucky or unlucky happenstance, however you want to call it, that it happened the way it did. And it's made, I think, for a lot of people, it's helped. The, not that the film needs any help; it's a great film already. But it's helped the film become that much more of a of a fixture of American society because it's been so perfectly realized for stuff that's been going on obviously in the past and then unfortunately because of also it's political stuff i don't get too deep into things are going on now well into 2022 correct yeah yeah well put connor what what do you think about i know you're a huge huge history guy like what do you think like how important is this movie and how like wild is it that it came out that when it did i think uh the fact that i had to watch this film in college like right when it, it i don't think it had even like it uh it wasn't on streaming yet we had to like hunt it down ourselves it was for my post-human in film class and this was a film that was like that she wanted us to see i mean the fact that it had just come out and it's already being taught in college courses as a significant piece of film history and that says ever that's 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 telling and you know the film speaks for itself but it is very, you know, I think, well, I know for myself, I was uh, pretty dismayed when, uh, when Trump won that election. And I, you know, a lot of people felt betrayed. A lot of people felt terrified. And I mean, you know, rightly so in the end, I think we were right. Uh, but yeah, the fact that this film came out, like it was made during um, Obama's last year and then came out with the first year of the Trump presidency and definitely feels like a, a bridge that people can take either way mm. is, is interesting. You know, the whole, yeah. you know, I would have voted for Obama a third, like for a third term. I wonder if that was original, like, was that in the original script or did that get put in there during the election? Well, I don't I'm, know. I'm sure that was in the original script. Cause remember president's going to do two terms. So no, I know. I'm just saying, I yeah, I, I know. I'm just saying, like, because of the the context of it, I was, I just, yeah, thought, it did depends he on when they in there later. It, I'll say, it really probably depends on when they filmed it because I have no idea when they filmed this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it was filmed. I know it was filmed, you know, in just like 23 days. I know that. And mm-hmm. Jordan Peele says he had no intention of this being a, a, um, retaliation to trump becoming president he he saw it as when when obama was president for some stupid reason a lot of people in our country thought that racism was gone and he this was his retaliation to that to that idea that it's that and that's why these characters like why it's why why they do it the way they do why the this family does it the way they do up in the fucking woods and they have this weird way about them. The black is in fashion thing. It goes back to them trying not to be racist. And that's what the country was doing when Obama was the president. Now, uh, well, when Trump was president, people were like, fuck it. I can be racist again. You know, like that's how they felt. Like a lot of Trump supporters felt that way. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we saw that. We saw people being even more like, oh, my God, they're being more upfront about their thoughts. Yeah. And that hasn't that hasn't gone away. You know, that hasn't gone away through Joe Biden's presidency. Nothing's really been fixed you know um our society is still like in in shambles and 
the way we treat each other is, is, is fucking beyond me. So I think Peel, I think it was just fucking, that's just the way the cookie crumbled, but he had no intention of it being like a fuck you, Trump. This is my movie in retaliation of you becoming president. It was a, during Obama's presidency, we thought we got over something and we did not. Obviously, you know, uh, now that we're seeing it through five years later, we have not. Yeah. So then that, that line is probably in the original script and probably just a reference to, you know, if we could do longer terms, because I know the whole thing was after FDR, they were like, hey, you can't do four terms again. Yeah. yeah. Down there. Um, (laughs) So I'm sure that's what it was written more in response to uh, probably more than anything. It's just like you, like we were talking about, right, with the presidency and his election and all that stuff. It's aged a certain way by all means, and it works, unfortunately, I guess, in a way, like very well because of the time it came out. Correct. Well, well, the line also has nothing to do with, with you know, Dean's political views. It's, it's him telling Chris, like, hey, I supported a black president. So I'm cool. Yeah, I'm yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. There it's, you it's, go. Yeah. It's, doing with, it's, it's doing that age old older white person thing yeah well they like to be like i'm not racist i have black friends yeah, yeah exactly my black yeah. president it's like oh, yeah. okay that's not how it works yeah, yeah. i don't I, I have no problem with gay people my neighbor's gay yeah like that <laughs> that whole idea of well i i know somebody or my friend or this it's like uh, if you have to even bring it up you, you should probably look in the mirror uh, just for a couple seconds and that yeah i think i yeah that's what it's playing off of. dean is supposed to be that guy who thinks he's down i'm down i'm down with, you know i'm down with black culture it's like and chris knows that he's not fucking stupid he's not like oh yeah dean's a great guy he loves black people you know he's definitely thinking like this guy's saying this because i'm standing next to him and he wants me to feel some sort of you know comfortability while i'm at his house which is another reason Bradley Whitford has an argument for being the best performance of the fucking movie. Like he is so scary. Good. The more we talk about it, I'm like, God damn Bradley Whitford. I, I didn't know he had it in him. Uh, the guy, the guy's amazing. Um, Jesus, this is, this is good. Good, good. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying what you you guys' takes on this movie and you know, the, the stuff in and out through it. Let's uh, go, finish off with the best scene of the movie, the Roger Deakins award. Uh, Caleb, I'll let you start here. Um, this is hard. This is just so difficult. You know, there's a lot of great moments. So take it away. All right. So I, I wrote down so many scenes. All right. I had <laughs> such a list. I had the whole escape sequence because it's yeah. such a riveting, engaging. Like, yes, get the fuck out of that house. Yeah. Yeah. Sequence. Fuck them up. Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, just the way like when him and Catherine Keener look at each other because the fucking teacups right there. And yeah. I'm like, he just bats it away and oh yeah, uh I had that I had the whole party sequence ran down because it's so un- uncomfortable. But what I ultimately went with was and I we kind of talked about I talked about an extended sequence a little bit earlier in Nope. And um if there's one thing, you know, say I know obviously we all love Trump Hill. I know there's probably some distractors out there. So you can say what you will about him, but dear God, the man knows how to do extended horror sequences well. Mm. Um, and that's why I picked this particular scene. That's when Chris sneaks out at night to go take a smoke. Yeah. Um, weird shit happens. And then he goes and gets hypnotized. Just that whole sequence from when he sneaks out to when he gets hypnotized is perfection. And an already yeah. near perfect film. Um, the way, yeah, Grandpa just runs at him and then goes off. And you're like, what the fuck? 
And then like the whole just hypnotizing scene and how Pill is playing with all these different visuals to really make you feel it and the showing of the the, the sunken place. Um, like I said, Kalua's performance in that specifically, like he's already great in this film, but that just that scene alone, holy shit, when he's having to under hypnosis tell her what happened to his mom, and he's just like the tears are coming out. It's oh, it's fucking it's acting, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> um, from yeah. that, you know, that snobbish film, uh, the snob film hat acting. Um, yeah, yes, an actor, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um yeah, it's just a really great extended sequence. Yeah, I I, I chose the same thing. Oh. <laughs> Con- Connor, what'd you choose? Connor, we're about to be three for three. What'd we're you- not going to be three for three. We almost were. <laughs> we almost were, but I, I changed my mind at the last second. Uh, but I do love in that scene when, you know, Kalia is just, he, Chris is trying to get up. He can't do it. He doesn't want to answer these questions. You can see it in his eyes. He's like, I don't want to talk about this, but he can't yeah. fucking help it. It's, it's such a great, just unsettling scene uh they quickly show him hit like hits nails digging into couch which plays out like again fucking great correct fucking script mm-hmm. writing right mm-hmm. fucking him doing the thing with his hands on the couch yeah oh yeah 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 and I, I i smoked for for years i smoked cigarettes for years and oh boy you know i've been in situations not obviously not like that but like when you want to just go outside for a smoke but you're around people that are obviously judging you for it <laughs> and for that to happen for this fucking giant six foot five dude to be sprinting at you and then you're like what okay well now i don't want to smoke and then you go look in the you look in the house and betty gabriel is like fixing her wig and he's like the fuck like what's wrong with these people and these these two people are the only two black people in sight you know at this house he's like we don't know he doesn't know what's going on yet with these two people and then, yeah, Catherine Keener and him, it's like a showdown for the ages. When she yeah. says, when she says sink and like her voice gets deeper and he actually goes into the floor, you're like, oh my God, like, how has that not been in a movie yet? You know, like, how, like, how is this, this sunken place idea and this kind of like being outside of your own consciousness, like, how has that not been in a movie yet? So that's the stuff that Jordan Peele does in this movie that that's why you have to hand it to him like this is just such a great job from him for giving us something that should have been like in our entertainment uh history already like it's that good well i love uh during that hypnosis and you mentioned it with the smoking how they could look down it so hard but that scene when she's like that's my daughter chris my yeah. it's a smoke yeah i'm not he's saying like, it's healthy for you but tell her yeah she's a grown woman get out of the fucking room then yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get, I, I get it. Like, it is is stupid. It's like a dumb. It's a bad habit or whatever. But like, smokers know that. They know that. Yeah. And so for you, for you to like sit there and be like, that's a nasty habit. There. Like, I, I I'm aware. I'm aware. Like, it's yeah. you saying that is making me want to go over there and smoke a whole fucking pack. So like, shut the hell up. <laughs> you know. Like uh, that's 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 not how it works. It's like it's a game you have to it's a mental game you have to like master yourself, you know, and you have to kind of constantly battle yourself every day. And yeah. like people who don't get it just don't get it. And so like Catherine Keener and Bradley Whitford do a great job of just degrading him like for, for the, the at the beginning of the movie. Uh, Jesus Christ, yeah. What a scene. Like that's when Keener is like, oh, I can act, you know, like Catherine Keener is like, I can, 
I can go toe to toe and I can be creepy as hell. I didn't know she had it in her. I love Catherine Keener, but I did not know she had that in her to, to do that. The sunken place scene. I didn't know she could well, go there. Well, I love as we see hints kind of here and there, like essentially her role in this whole scheme that they're doing. And you're kind of like, well, okay, what, especially when you watch the site, right? You're seeing like, well, to me, this is where she shows her cards, right? She's showing her to like, this is the part that I do. I instate the hypnosis and make sure I have a control of your mind that I control it, not you. Um, and I love how like this scene plays out in late. It sounds like her saying like, like I said, she's showing her cards now to Chris, like blatantly, like this is how I get you. I do this hypnosis thing. I take you to this place and I'm going to make sure you're trapped there. Ultimately by the time, you know, you're never leaving. Yeah. Ugh. So frightening. Con- Connor, I'm curious. What did you pick? <laughs> Um, I ultimately did go with the scene where Rod arrives to save the day. Yeah. Because I remember the roller coaster of emotions that I felt when I first saw that. It's such a great, the way that's done is so good. He's literally strangling Allison. Chris is strangling her. And then you see that you see the red lights, you hear the siren. You're like, oh shit, it's that cop from earlier. He's going to prison. And then you just see airport on the car and you're like, yes, yes. You just start cheering. You can't help it. You're like, he's going to get out of this. And then, you know, Rod's just like the greatest friend ever. Who's just like, get in the car, you know, TS motherfucking A. We handle shit. Consider this handled. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, pro- they probably stopped on the way home to get some fucking food, you know, and like, but you just know Rod's like, I got you, dude. Like, I'll, we'll stop. I'll get you some beer. You can tell me all about it. I believe you. I believe you. Like I'm, 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 I'm the only one on planet Earth who's going to believe everything that you just said. You know that you went through. Yeah. God, what a what a I'm, great friend. I'm just glad this is the ending they went with, and not the original yeah. planned ending. Because, like, I, I don't get me wrong. I have no issues with dark, bleak endings. I'm, I watch plenty of horror films. I don't have issues with it. Um, but in this movie and what the story they're telling, I'm like, no, th- you made a good choice going with a, this op- optimistic ending. Because that, I know Peel feels the same way. I know he did an interview that said they changed it because he's like, I didn't want to do that to the character. He's been through so much. And he goes, the original just feels like betrayal to everything I built up. So that's, and, that's yeah. why I changed it. And it would be betrayal to, to Rod. All the work that Rod does throughout the whole movie. It'd be like, well, what was the point of his entire plot? It was like, mm-hmm. are we never going to see him again? Are we not going to get closure with him? Like he, he's like a huge character in the movie because the entire time he's the only one that knows what's going on. Even if, even if it's him being like sex slaves and shit, like he's right. Like he's fucking right. Like he has, he has a hunch and he's right. And so if we didn't get that closure with him, that's what would make me most upset about that ending. I mean, when, when the car pulls up, Daniel Kaluuya puts his hands up like it's a cop. I mean, like in the movie, Chris Washington, is like I might get shot right now because of the way this looks. You know, like uh, there's there's a white lady on the ground. I'm I'm like I'm on, I'm on top of her. I he puts his hands up like that, and that's such a sad thing that that's his initial reaction when he sees those lights is to put his hands up. And so yeah, that would have been that would have been a very bleak ending. And my my main my main worry if, is that if it went with that ending of him him dying or getting arrested would be rod like what was the point of rod you know the whole time he's such a great character and we need him yeah we gotta we, we need something lighthearted occasionally to keep us from just getting completely you know dragged into the sunken place 
Yeah, um, and it and it gives you one of the best lines in the movie. I'm TS motherfucking A. We get shit done. Like <laughs> it's such a cool and like that's that that has culturally changed TSA forever. I I worked at the airport after Get Out came out. Uh and people were like people that worked TSA thought they were hot shit because they're like, yeah, fucking rot, you know? Like <laughs> and like that's great. I love that. I think that's so funny. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Uh, you guys ever hear the fan theory that this is a sequel to being John Malkovich? I have. I have. I've gone deep into that rabbit hole. Oh, boy. I care. I don't care to talk. To <laughs> it's one of those things like on a Saturday, I was just like, I think I'm going to yeah. go into this really deep. Yeah. It's wild. Even Peel was like, there's something to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's too, yeah. too yeah. much. Look that up. It's fucking crazy. Just, uh, you know, it Cat is. Peter's kind of the nexus between these two movies. So, Definitely worth checking out. Yeah, both great movies too. So be a fun double feature. Um, God damn, what a great movie. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think we've talked about like every scene by just going through these awards and kind of talking about it all. Um, I do. Okay, one scene that I do love that we, I don't think we've talked much about is uh, when Stephen Root and Daniel Kluya meet. And he's like, and Stephen Root's like, ignorance. He's like, what? He's like, all of them. They don't know what real people have been through, you know? And he talks about his art dealing and how he's lost his eyesight. And so the whole reason for him being at the auction is like, I want, I, I want my sight back so I can, so I can be, be back to where I was. Um, I love the dialogue between them two because Stephen Root does such a good job of acting like he's on his side, you know, like, like we're boys. And uh, when, when Chris says, shit ain't right, man. You know, shit ain't fair. And Stephen Root's like, damn right, shit ain't fair. You know, he kind of says it in the same tone that he does. And it's like, man, like what a masterful scene. Um, and you're kind of like the first time you see it, you're like, this guy's not so bad. <laughs> this blind guy. And then you're like, motherfucker, like you're one of them too. Like, oh, mm. uh, you know, it's like one of those, one of those moments of like, God damn it, everybody's everybody's in on it. <laughs> yeah, he's like the only one at the party that actually doesn't try to not be racist he just talks to them like a normal person like oh you're chris washington i've seen your you know i'm aware of your work i really like yeah, it. He, yeah. Uh, he just talks to him like a human being and you see chris get comfortable with tim he's the only one throughout the, until the end obviously when he gets yeah. but he's the only one white dude he gets comfortable with, with that whole in that whole sequence like because it's, it's the only person that's just talking to him like a person and is listening yeah yeah exactly it's like such a genius genius scene um mm. that that one and the the moment that Kaluuya, um, when Chris goes into that little weird like storage thing in Rose's room and finds all the pictures is like, I, I get chills just thinking about it right now. That's such a fucking crazy scene. And then he still is like, all right, um, let's find the keys. And Rose is like, oh, I can't find them. And he's like, let's do this on the go. And they go downstairs. And that's when he starts screaming like, Rose, give me the fucking keys. You know, like, God, that scene is so so fucking crazy and so powerful. The the pictures, and then when he sees Betty Gabriel, he sees the that that she was like in a gay couple with this girl just to get her there to take over her grandma's body is like ah, uh, it could it could start hurting your head, you know. Uh, if you look at those pictures too much, man, it's fucked up. I did have that scene written down 
um, initially, just finding the photographs and looking through them. After you heard earlier in the movie that he's the first black man she's ever dated, and then you just see so much photographic evidence that she's been lying to him the whole time. And that's oh, when you yeah. realize like he is in no shape or form safe here. And he can't trust anybody. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and the guy who's playing the grandpa, Marcus Henderson, that actor, when he breaks, when the camera goes at him and he breaks, he's like, I'm going to kill this bitch. Because yeah. she, she fucking brought me into this. So for that, that little glimpse of like freedom that he has, he's like, I'm going to fucking kill her and then I'm going to kill myself because there's no way in hell I'm going to be an old white dude for the rest of my life. <laughs> it's, it's such a like, oh my God, everything stacks on top of each other so perfectly. So that, that scene is really important when you see all the pictures of just the connection and the darkness of the vastness of this yeah. project, this project, this, this business they have. Yeah. How many times this has happened? Like Chris is like the, you know, it's old hat now. Like this isn't the first or second or third or even 10th time. This is just business as usual at the Armitage household. It's yeah. so uh, fucked up. And that's, that's the scariest part to me is how fucking casual it is to everybody. And, and that, and that Chris has to live with that for the rest of his life, knowing all these people are, they're, they're, they're fucked. Like, I don't know how to save them, you know, um, other than occasionally go up to them and take a picture with my phone. But that's, I, you know, like, that's so crazy. Like, how is he not going to think about Andre Hayworth for the rest of his life? Yeah. Oof. Yeah. I, I half expected for John Hill to pull, like, a cameo and be in one of those pictures, and he's not. Yeah, like, him and Kim and Kim and Key, like, both went there. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Oh, my. Yeah, that would be great. He somehow gets, like, Keegan, Michael Key. He's like, hey, man, I'm doing my movie. You want to be in a picture real quick? Yeah. Um, but uh, oh god! <laughs> I, it's, it's, I've seen it right now. We kind of talked before we recorded. The one that's always stuck with me for all these years later, and it's mostly because of like a potential theory. Um, is the scene when um after the deer they hit the deer, and the cop comes and yeah. he takes that moment when he's like, "Hey, sir, uh, can I see your ID?" If you pay attention, that cop's not being hostile. He's not being rude. He's really not being a bad. He even like when Chris goes, "Hey, I just have a state ID." He goes, "That's fine." I'll take your state. Like he doesn't freak out and like, oh, why don't you have a license? It's yeah, that's fine. Not just whatever ID you have, and um, you know, because of it, it's led to a theory that um, he might be aware of, might be on like you know Rod on a potential hunch that maybe they're involved in these black people, you know, missing. He might have seen her with you know the other like forty nine, fifty or so guys she's brought there. You know how whatever the number is. And that maybe that's why he was looking, wanting the ID to see, like, does it match with potential victims that they've brought in the past? Um, mm, yeah. Now, I, I know it's far-fetched, you know, key, you know, oh, not key, Jesus. Jordan Peele, <laughs> we talked about him earlier, thinking key and Peele now. Um, you know, Jordan Peele hasn't really said either way if that's true or not, like, something he's ever confirmed. Um, but it's an interesting deal, and even then, Without that theory, it's just an interesting scene because it is like, could he trust that cop? Was that cop actually trying to help him and just do it or just simply do his job? Hey, can I see your ID just so everything checks out when I, you know, get out of here? You know, make sure everything checks out. What He's been driving, what happened, blah, 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 and then I leave. Or was he, you know, I don't know. But I, I just and based off Rose's reaction made me also think, like, he's not in on this because she flipped out for no reason when he wasn't being racist. If you pay attention, he backs down. Instead of you know, Huffy and Puffy goes, nah, it's okay. I'll just get out of here. Yeah. Get the, get the headlight fixed. Yeah. Like that's all he, that's all he says. And he doesn't, 
I, I, I think he knows something about that family and knows that Rose is the daughter and he's like got, got issues with them, but he has no evidence. And so he's like, maybe this can become my evidence. I, I, I totally agree with that theory. I I've, I've always thought that like, man, because if he isn't on it, we would have, I feel like it would be more on the nose. I don't know. Like I've, I've seen it. I've seen this movie like 10 times and every time I'm just kind of like, I don't know. I think, I think he's on to Rose, not on to Chris. I think yeah. the cop is, the cop is definitely like, fuck this weird lady. She always drives on the same road with a different black person every time. And then that person ends up going missing. So I'm just doing my job, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to be a detective. So I don't know. It's really, really interesting. I'm not, it's like this movie has, 30 of those things where you can just keep talking about it, keep looking at it, and keep thinking about it. Because yeah, if you think about it, maybe he wanted the idea to get a name, so then if he does go missing, yep, he can link two and two together. Yeah. I mean, he can be exactly. like, okay, so yeah, I had I saw his ID, I saw who he was with, we can get an address to that place and go investigate what the, whatever the fuck's going on in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and Rose was like, I'm not having that. Yeah, and so she just freaks out. Yeah. But yeah. uh, no, you don't. You don't need to see his ID to know who this guy is. I think ah. I think y'all are are optimistic about this. I think that I think you're a pessimistic fuck. How's that? I think that if he is thinking about the family, if he does know about this, he knows they're powerful. He knows they're connected, and I think he's very much just. I think he's he backs off because he's like, it's not worth my pension. Well, yeah, I agree. I think once he's once he sees the reaction, he's like, "Okay, I'm not getting anywhere with this." Yeah, I might I might as well back down. But, yeah, but, I, I think you're right, Connor. In a way, yeah. But does that mean he's a bad cop? No, because then if that's the case, it could be the family's clearly rich, knows a lot of people, so they could have people on the force. So he knows he can only go so far. You know what I mean? He yeah. probably knew. You okay, if I do, you can't kidnap that many people without. Some some eye some eyes in the law. You just can't. They've got so, to have people somewhere. Yeah. To go along with your what you're saying, Car. I still again I'm saying the cops completely innocent of partaking this and just probably trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. But because she freaked out, he may have had an inkling. And this is again and I, hey, this is again going back to real life with you know the the actual good cops that have to deal with corrupt cops, right? It's again going back to a real world issue here. Um. You know, he probably knew, like, look, it's not worth it. She's going to go tell he, people he might suspect are in on it on the force, and that's going to cause him to be maybe more than just fired. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that I'm sure it's less like that's my pension. You might be thinking like this might be my life if my hunch is what I'm thinking it is. So I'm just going to back up. Fascinating. This is crazy. You can get you can get so much out of just one one you know one little scene. It's so awesome. Get out. Get out. Uh, this. This movie is clearly a classic. Where do you guys what do you guys rate this movie out of 10? Go ahead, Caleb. I'm gonna give it a nine. I want to say this is a very strong debut from John Pill. Definitely something I was not expecting from one half of Key and Pill. Yeah. But I am so glad we got it. And I'm glad that we he has the career he has now. Um, wonderful film, nine out of ten for me. I've had it at an eight for years, and I, I am gonna move it up to a nine. It is a phenomenal movie. Very tight, very well-paced, very exciting, very well-acted, and freaky. So, yeah, it's, it's a great movie. Yeah, this is a 10, guys. Come on. This is, <laughs> this is a 10. Look at the way we've been talking about this motherfucker. And, and it's, 
I, I love it. I like love this movie. I love everything we've talked about. But it's it's importance goes far beyond what I can can even imagine, and it's up there with like, in my opinion, maybe I'm crazy, but I think as far as the 21st century goes, this is like one of the ten must see, most important films that we've had uh, in the in America at least. Uh, you know, and I, I'm I'm talking about movies like There Will Be Blood, you know, and and Get Out. I think needs to be in that kind of conversation where it's like this kind of storytelling just does not come very often. And the fact that it's in the horror genre is so special. Uh, so I, I am I'm obsessed with this movie, obsessed with what it represents and how much you can get out of it uh, each time you watch it. That's, that's a big part of it. So obviously I think it should have been up for more stuff at the, at the Oscars. You know, that's just, that's just, that's just how I feel always. Um, I think all three it, of us can say that, honestly. I think, all yeah, three, it should have it sh- it fucking ran this ceremony. It did not. It should have. Uh, it only won best screenplay, was up for best director, best actor, and best picture. So um, let's, I think we're all in the same boat with screenplay. So let's knock that one out first. The winner, uh, it beat Big Sick, Lady Bird, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. I like those other movies, but. No, no, just, just no, no fucking chance here. I haven't seen the big sick. And I think the only real competition here was three billboards. And I appreciate the Academy giving this to Jordan Peele. It's a big win for him. Big win for horror. It's an awesome screenplay and thoroughly deserved this win. You can tell he'd been working on this for a long time. Yeah. And, and it's the first african-american to win this 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 oscar this you know that's just crazy but that's just the, the way the way history has worked here and uh, a, a good one a good one can you can uh, kind of stack it up against anybody yeah and i'm uh out of that list i've actually only seen the shape of water and while i do like the shape of water quite a bit um yeah i yeah nothing's taking this from get out for me um regardless nah. of the the trauma behind the scenes from the Oscars about it. It's a well-deserved win as far as I'm concerned. And I'm, I'm very happy for Pill on getting this. Yeah. I think, I think getting that is, is it helped him greatly in the, for the future, for moving forward. It gives him, it gives him this thing of like, Oh, I've won an Oscar for my writing. Therefore these production companies are like, all right, let's, let's keep giving him chances. I think he, I think he's worth it. You know, uh, and he's proven he's proven to continue to be worth it, as we talked about at the top of the show. Um, so yeah, I think we're all on the same page there. To me, the competition would be the big sick. Actually, Connor, I didn't know you you haven't seen that the movie's awesome. Yeah, it just never came around. You know, it's it's a lovely rom com. You know, this is like this is the kind of screenplay that would have won like in the eighties. You know, um, uh, I'm a huge fan of the Lady Bird screenplay, but not even close to Get Out. Uh, so. This yeah, this is this is easy stuff. Best actor, I got some stuff to say here. <laughs> uh, Gary Oldman won for The Darkest Hour. Uh, Timothy Chalamet was up for Call Me by Your Name. Daniel Day Lewis was up for Phantom Thread. Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out, and Denzel fucking Washington for Roman J. Israel Esquire. Um, love Gary Oldman, but no, no, this is not this is not the one to give Gary Oldman. You know, I, I think he's been better in a lot of other things. This has got to be one of the Daniels. It's got to be Daniel Day Lewis, or it's got to be Daniel Kaluuya. No, like, just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I am gonna throw a butt in there. I, I do back Gary Oldman on this. Fuck. 
And it's, it's not a, like, it was his turn thing either. I do think he's done great performances throughout his whole career, but I do think he fucking knocked it out of the park as Winston Churchill. I really like Darkest Hour. And <sighs> I, you watched I it since you, have you watched it since you saw it? <laughs> I have had no need to. I'm, I'm sure it will come back up at some point, but I liked it. Uh, I liked his performance and yeah. I know. liked it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, he, he's. I'm not saying he's. I love Gary Oldman, you know. But I don't know. I don't know. Like when I saw that, I was like, I'm done. Pass. Move on. I don't ever need to see this movie again. He did great. Cool. But Daniel Kaluuya, this is like something I'm gonna watch for the rest of my life. And and you know, obviously, I'm biased towards Paul Thomas Anderson. So Phantom Thread, I'm gonna watch that for the rest of my life. Therefore, I would give it to Kaluuya. I think he deserved this. It should be. He should have two Oscars. Yeah, I fair enough. I'm not gonna, you know, not gonna dispute that. But this was seeing Gary Oldman walk on that stage and get one of these statues warmed my heart and made me it it it, it was great. And for a performance I was mesmerized by. And that's not to say I didn't you know, I haven't seen Roman J. Israel Esquire, but these other three films, all three of these actors fucking killed it that year. Especially Timothy Chalamet gets overlooked. He's in that in Call Me by Your Name, he really is amazing. Yeah, he he is. I'm just not a big fan of that movie, and and obviously the Army Hammer thing is like, oh boy. Honestly, is Timothy Chalamet good? Because after seeing Dune, I was I wasn't really. He did not thrill me. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) Uh, I love I love Timothy. I think he's awesome. But yeah, Dune. He's a bit underwhelming in Dune. Uh, It's a lot of just like sad boy shit, you know, going on. But uh. I do I, like Tim. I, I like Timothy. I think he's got going to have a really cool career. Uh, um, right. So, and I actually don't mind Timothy Chalamet as a person. So let me put that right now. I'm just tired of like, for every reason, Hollywood has to sing any people like him and Ezra Miller to keep playing the most brooding, dull characters they can imagine. I'm like, give them something to work with. Now, <laughs> I like Timothy Chalamet as a person. We all know my hatred for Ezra Miller. Well, now the ward's hatred for Ezra Miller. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm glad finally the ward caught up with me. I need to say that real quick. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember <laughs> that's, that's great. I remember with this year that um, a lot of people were expecting a bigger splash by the disaster artist, but yeah. uh, such allegations, allegations against right. Franco kind of killed that momentum. So a lot of people think that Denzel's nomination was kind of a last minute addition because that was supposed to be James Franco. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm not crazy about that movie. Um, I fucking love the disaster artist. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not crazy about. It. I I like it, but I'm not crazy about it. I am literally um, wearing a Tommy Wiseau T-shirt right now. That's the room. That's the room. I, that's a different. I, that's different. I think one of my favorite moments in that movie is when James Franco actually interacts with Tommy Wiseau, and it's like this horrendous, accented performance with someone who I swear to God that's not a real accent, even though he claims it is talking to each other <laughs> oh boy um i forgot that's when the allegation started on franco i forgot about that i remember watching i remember watching that because i was like oh james franco sweet <laughs> i firmly believe that andy kaufman faked his own death and became tommy wiseau it's only okay okay i can get down with that how about uh let me throw this at you real quick okay hugh jackman for logan yes yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not even thinking about that. I'm, well, I know it's a comic book movie. I know how the Academy feels about comic book films, unless the actor dies, apparently. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but uh, with that said, that was a 17 year, like just all of what he gave us in that movie and beyond. Sure. Hugh Jackman gave it his all. Not that he wasn't, you know, slumming it in the prior films, obviously. He was always giving his all, but like you could tell this was, hey, this is it for me. I'm done after this. You're getting everything and more. And it to me is one of the greatest performances I've witnessed in a comic book movie to this day. I stand by that. Hell yeah. Well, it was up for 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 some stuff. So we could do that on the show one day, and that would be amazing. I love Logan. Uh, I, I think it's a deserving performance. That one, and I think Robert Pattinson and Good Time will be the two that I, I would be like, I think they missed out on those. Those are, those are some good performances. Have not seen Good Time. I, I still got to watch that. That's that's where that's where uh, your boy Matt Reeves is like, oh, the Batman. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I love him in that movie. Um, I, I really like... I, I'm, I really like Ryan Gosling, so like I think he's really good in Blade Runner, but uh, I understand why he's not nominated. Um, yeah, I can't really think of anything else. Um, let's see. I'm trying to look at the year overall. Um, I mean, you know, if Keanu Reeves in John Wick Chapter 2, fuck yeah, that would be cool, but that ain't happening. No, but I just love Keanu Reeves. Oh my god, the teaser for John Wick 4. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Holy yeah. shit. I, oh. Yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm fucking ready. I'll watch. I'll watch 19 John Wick movies. That's oh, one of the only yeah franchises. I'll just they can do whatever they want. All right. Oh, yeah. Um. Last. Last two. Let's do best director and then best picture. Um. God damn it. Uh. Best picture. Best director. I. Uh, I just have dreaded talking about this movie. And Caleb, I didn't know you liked it. So The Shape of Water won for Guillermo del Toro. Uh. Christopher Nolan. Dunkirk. Jordan Peele, Get Out, Greta Gerwig, Lady Bird, and Paul Thomas Anderson, Phantom Threat. Really cool group of people. Um, very unique group and definitely represents some amazing different aspects of film. I just, I just don't really like The Shape of Water. I think, it's, I think it's fine. It's not that I'm like, this is a bad movie. I just think it's fine. And when it won Best Picture, I was like, come on. I mean, like 30 years from now, are we going to look back and be like, what? Like, what? Are you serious? Like, I... It's good, but it's not. It's not great, and I don't like when not when good, not great movies win stuff. I mean, look, I do really like Shape of Water. That, <laughs> I know you're I'm a huge a, fan of Del Toro. I know. I'm, I know. A, I'm yeah, I'm a huge fan of Del Toro. I was really, really happy to see Del Toro get it after all these years. Um, yeah. And um, I do think it's. I, I personally think this film's going to hold up as one of like his greatest in his catalog and his filmography. Okay. I think it will. I think it'll stand the test of time. With that, I'll do my hot take. I'll counter so you're not alone in your hot take. And I'll say that I absolutely despise Dunkirk and don't like that he got nominated. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I've only seen Dunkirk twice. Uh, why do you hate it? Like, what's what's so bad about it? It's so goddamn boring to me. I <laughs> There's not a main character, so I, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not following anyone. I think it's – I Nolan, to an extent, I don't like his sound design to an extent. I think he's okay. favors- yeah being as loud as he can without doing it to where I can still hear dialogue. And I think this is some of the worst case of it in Dunkirk, especially Tom Hardy with that fucking thing on his face. And they did nothing for you to hear what he says. So it's just like, I'm like oh. yeah. Yeah, okay. Sh- shitty, I, shitty Bane. Yeah. 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 I'm like, I was like, okay, man, I didn't hear a fucking thing you said. So yeah. I, 
that that's my hot take is that i fucking hate dunkirk i was fighting to stay awake during it i i was not a fan okay all right so your would your vote be del toro or or, or peel you know what as much as i like del toro's shape of water my vote would be peel i okay i, I do yeah. try and get out a stronger film okay yeah my, that'd be my vote as well connor I know you're not voting Lady Bird, so what's, what's your take here? Do, this, do we all have a film we don't like in this category? Yes, yes, we do. I, I, I love these. Not lo- I don't love Dunkirk. I do like it. I'm not a big Christopher Nolan guy, but I did like that one. I thought it was just like I'd never really seen a war movie like that. Love Get Out. I like Lady Bird, and I really, really like Phantom Thread. So this is a decent group for me, but... Um, I think Jordan Peele just takes it like pretty easily. So to me, this is not about who made the better film. This is about the direction. And I think Jordan Peele did a great job with Get Out, but Del Toro crafted a weird, fantastical romance in a way I'd never seen before with The Shape of Water. And regardless of your thoughts on the film, you got to give Del Toro props for what he accomplished with this movie. And I was just so happy to see him get one, to, to see him get recognition after decades of getting spit on by studios, of getting budget slashed, of never getting really respect from mainstream Hollywood, and then to get an Oscar for Best Director. That meant something. And I was very happy to see that. You know, man, you guys, though. you guys like this fish sex movie, and, and I love how I, that's I, what people boil it down to. Like, I didn't know I was going to be alone in this one. I didn't know you guys liked it. Huh? <laughs> I feel I like I should have picture, but I think it's a good movie. It, you know what's funny though? You mentioned, and this I won't touch on real quick. Is that you know the studios constantly just being basically Dick's Del Toro? Yeah, it's amazing is that he won this Oscar. Right, he's doing his next film. For those who don't know, because you probably didn't fucking watch it. Um, Nightmare Alley. I, is, okay, is, Nightmare Nightmare Alley is way better than Shape of Water. <laughs> well, wait, <laughs> and I do. I like both. I'm gonna say that I like both. But uh, what I what I fucking hated was the studio took this movie in a whole month that they had every other weekend to work with because yeah. they moved it up, not back up. Uh-huh. And, and they went, hey, let's open up with Spider Man No Way Home because everyone's going to want to watch both. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how is it this man finally gets Oscar recognition, right? And even someone here like me who doesn't really care, but I'm like, hey, awesome. Hell yeah, Dotor, you finally fucking got it, man. And then the studio goes, oh, yeah, we're still going to fuck you over, dude. Yeah, just fuck it, yeah. Yeah, it's like, all right, right, man, like, did you guys not learn it? But, you know, fucking God bless Dotor, he doesn't get deterred. He keeps on trucking. He keeps on doing what he can because he just loves making movies. So God bless the man. But it, it does piss me off a bit that they were like, yeah, let's just, you know, we don't care if you want an Oscar. We're going to open you against Spider-Man. I hope, I hope you people see it. I do love that two unofficial students of Carpenter were up against each other here. I do love that. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I think it's a cool group. I think it's uh, some, some pretty pretty amazing people that are, that, are, that are in this category. And, you know, obviously Get Out and Ladybird are both debuts. And so that's really neat that, you know, they're obviously going to be with us for a long time making movies. PTA is never going to get his win. That's just not happening. You know, um, God, God, I, I just have gotten over that. So there's no point in even, you know, arguing for it. But 
I, I think, yeah, I, I think get out peel. Like he, we've talked about it this the past two hours. He made a movie that stacks and stuff on top of each other. There is no like scenes. It's just moment, 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 moment over and over. Uh, I, I just got to give it to him. Obviously I need to rewatch the shape of water. Cause when I saw it, I was like, the fuck, <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I saw it back when we worked at Draft House. You know, I, I just saw it for free one day. So I was—I've only seen it the one time. So I, I need to—I need to rewatch it. My sister-in-law loves that movie, and she's always like, "You got to check it out again. You got to rewatch it." And I will one day when we do a Best Picture Showdown, and I'm not—not not looking forward to it, but I will. <laughs> Promise, I will. I'm I have to watch Lady Bird again. You have to watch The Shape of Water again. Oh, I, yeah, I love Lady Bird. I watch that uh, any any day. I'm not looking forward to rewatching The Post because. That one was like a one and done. I liked it, but I was like, I don't need it. I don't need it again. You know, um, I, just, I, I just don't. There's these movies, Darkest Hour and The Post. I'm like, okay, I get I, it. I saw it in theaters. It was fine. And I want to move on. I understand. I, I get it. That's my jam. That's history coming alive. <laughs> that's my, that's, that's, I love that shit. So yeah, yeah that's, I get that I'm going to be on an island with that pretty consistently. <laughs> Yes. Uh, yes, it, yes it, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't mind historical, you know, um, perspectives. You know, I like when a movie flirts with that stuff. You know, I'm, you know, I'm a big Tarantino fan, so like, I love when that gets flirted with. But when you go down that road of like, this is a true story, it's like, no, it's not. We already know it's not true before the movie even started because it's a movie. And I'll always kind of take the side of like a Phantom Thread, where it's like, maybe this guy existed in this certain time and we're going to take a historical, you know, uh, perspective on it without saying it's a biopic, you know? And so I've always liked that better. I like movies that take place in different settings and old settings, as long as they're not acting like everything that happened is true. And so movies like the post, I'm just like, okay, I get it, but I don't need to rewatch it. You know what I mean? I liked it. It was fine. I like a dramatization that leads me to want to dig further into the action. Okay. That's great. You like go back and read more. That's yeah. like super, super I mean, powerful. I had yeah. an idea early on for another podcast I was going to do basically by myself where I was going to watch, <laughs> uh, I was going to watch biopics and report on the inaccuracies. Yeah. See, uh, God, no one's going to fucking listen to that. No, uh, no, 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 no. I, no. I actually think that's super interesting. I just, I can't do that because like, Connor, you know me. I like biopics are tough for me. Like they're just like, like I still haven't seen Elvis because I'm like I don't know if I want to succumb to that. And I just know I'm gonna go down rabbit holes online for the next fucking three weeks about what was accurate and what was inaccurate. So yes, your show would be good for me to listen to. <laughs> I just can't do it with you, man. <laughs> I understand. I wouldn't force any of you to do that because I know you'd fucking hate it. So I, I, I would, do that to you guys. I would, li- I would listen to it though, just for like, ah, I feel better. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, but my thing with biopics is I don't, I guess I'm in the middle of it, like between these two viewpoints where I don't hate them, but you can ask Connor, it really depends on what they're doing for a biopic. That's um, true. For sure. Really yeah. for me, depends on what it is. Like personally, I didn't watch Elvis actually not because it's like on Elvis. Like I understand, obviously, you know, it happens every time, right? People are coming out saying like, Oh, you know, what about all this dirty stuff? And I'm like, I'm aware of the things he did that weren't exactly okay to put it lightly, but his place in rock and what he did for that is why he gets this movie. 
Correct. My whole thing with the was just Boz Lerman's very hit and miss for me. So I was like, I don't know about this. Oh, he's um, like straight miss for me. Yeah. 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 So I was like, I don't know. Um, I have been hearing good things about Elvis though. So maybe when it hits like a VOD or something, I'll check it out. But yeah, it really depends. Like, for example, you know, obviously, you know, I went to the theater to go see Shreya Compton because I was like, oh, fuck yeah. I want to see the NWA movie. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They announced that they're doing a, a movie based off the making of the Texas Chainsaw Mask. I'm like, fuck yes. Sign me up. I'm there. But yeah, you do something like, you know, no offense, The Darkest Hour about Winston Churchill. I'm not rushing. Like, I'll just read the book on Churchill and how badass he was, but I'm not rushing to watch the Gary Oldman movie. <laughs> Sorry. I'm feeling oh. very attacked right now. <laughs> I was rushing, Connor. I did rush. I saw that in theaters, The Dark Shower. But after I saw it, I was like, cool. <laughs> I'll, I'm going to move on. You know, I'm going to move on. And I don't think this movie is going to be super important to culture as we move forward. And that's, that's, that's always, that's always my thing, especially with the Oscars is like, I think when you, when you take a few years and you look back, it's pretty obvious that get out is the movie from 2017. It's pretty, it's pretty glaring at this point. That's the movie that people talk about. That's the one that everybody has, you know, keeps watching and keeps talking about it and has, you know, different takes on. And I think that should have some sort of influence on the Oscars and what gets awarded. I think movies should have to last and stand the test of time. And Connor, you know, you and I have done this forever. We, we see these categories when they have nine or 10 movies, you're just going to get a few that aren't going to last, aren't going to stand the test of time just by default. You know what I mean? True. That is true. And the film I would have picked for best picture isn't even up anyway. So uh, yeah, I have some stuff to say about that too. Let's get into that. All right. Uh, the winner, Shape of Water. <laughs> oh, I'm never going to forget this episode. Um, call me by your name. It's, it's a sign. You need to go see the Shape of Water again. Uh, I'm going to rewatch it some. Uh, maybe in not. My voodoo. Soon, but... In my voodoo. Don't tell me that. <laughs> you could literally watch it whenever you want. I want to. I want to spend my Saturday night doing something completely different than watching, you know, <laughs> The Shape of Water. Uh, <laughs> anyways, it won Best Picture. Uh, crazy, and it beat Call Me by Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. I saw all of these movies in theaters, and. Get Out's probably what I'd vote for out of this group, but Connor, I hear you. Um, I've got some movies that I, I really adored from that year. The first one that I could think of is probably The Florida Project. I can't believe that wasn't up for Best Picture. Um, that movie's just like right up my alley, and I really wish it would have been up. Uh, but it, Willem Dafoe's there, so that's cool. I saw the post by myself at Draft House, and it was me and like five really old people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes I sense. Just, I just leaned back and I was like, hmm, you know what? I dig it. I like this story. I, I can do this for a long time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you one day, one day you're gonna be one of those old people, and there's gonna be a young guy in the room, and you're gonna be like, Yeah. But <laughs> I have been one of those old people my whole life. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, when I when I when I used to go to the bijou all the time, I you know, people would be looking at me like, What are you doing here? <laughs> Why? Why are you seeing portrait of a lady on fire at two p.m. on a Thursday? That's that sounds like a good Thursday to me. <laughs> oh, 
Um, I need to do something like that in my attire, where, like my horror, my horror t-shirts and tattoos, and just see the looks of like the more snobbish film buffs that attend that regularly would look. They'd be like, "The fuck is going on?" Yeah, you, I think you're at the wrong theater. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're at the right theater. <laughs> yes, I think I am. <laughs> uh, uh, Connor, what's the movie you would put in here? The greatest film to come out in 2017 was. And you can fight me on this, but I'm right, Coco. Oh, yeah, yeah. 100% needs to be here. Yeah. What would you take out? What's the first movie you take out? Lady Bird, without hesitation. God damn it. <laughs> that movie fucking sucks. It's, it's a horseshit story about a very, like, entitled little girl who just makes her mom's life we, hell. That's what we, I saw. We, we had this discussion. What about actually. the dad? The dad is so fucking cool in that movie. And and Lucas Hedges plays a guy who thinks he's not gay and then he is gay and he's like, oh shit, you know, being 17 is hard. <laughs> you know? And, I was 17. It's not fucking you know, hard. You know, I was funny. 17 and it, it, was, it was I thought it was quite difficult. Uh, but I lived in Romania when I was 17. So you different, different story. You know what two things are cracking me up right now. One, first that Apparently, the shape of water is your Stranger Things. Um, <laughs> Austin is my Stranger Things. I yeah. actually watched The Shape of Water, though. I actually watched The Shape of Water. <laughs> That's fair, but uh, and I, I've I've come around on Stranger Things as well. So I actually really liked this last season. I thought it was pretty dope. I cried a couple times, which blew yeah, me so away. I, so did I. Um, I think I scared my dogs. I got really into the scene. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Yeah, get out of there! You got it. You can make it. Um, yeah. But my second thing is, we had this conversation actually on a Beyond the Bad episode. If you guys want to check out the episode on Sex Drive, please, please listen. Fuck yeah, great uh, movie. Yeah, yes. great movie. We we had a I, we me and Connor had a conversation about that because I know Connor hates the more traumatic coming of age stories like Lady Bird. I remember. And that. I mentioned, yeah. and I talked like. You know, things like, and I'm kind of with it because, like, I get where uh, Connor's coming from. I haven't seen Lady Bird personally, as we point out there, but I see where Connor's coming from because, and I talked about this on the episode, it, I'm with, like, for me, it just wasn't that traumatic, right? High school wasn't that traumatic personally. So for me, something more like American Pie, Sex Drive, that has the heart of what, like, they're doing in these more traumatic stuff of, like, navigating high school, getting ready for, like, life after high school, not all hitting you, but wrapping it all in, like, very raunchy comedy just works better for me personally that's and fair yeah admittedly i am far from the intended audience for ladybird i'll admit that i was not a teenage girl i don't get it but that particular teenage girl i i didn't care for fucking i fucking love ladybird <laughs> i'm gonna watch this shit tonight <laughs> i also love timothy chalamet in this movie um God damn. Yeah, this is tough, you know. Um, Charlamagne wasn't yeah. brooding. Oh, he is. Oh, he's brooding. God, and he's yeah, he, he's to, brooding. You want a non-brooding God. Chalamet? Watch Don't Look Up. Is that is that what I can finally get? Like, yeah. a, okay, he's like, like, a, uh, like high energy, like douchey teenager in that. Okay. It's, so. it's, it's, it's honestly nothing against these actors. I just don't like how this has become such a standard. Like, it seems like where a lot of these actors and teenage girls fucking specifically, I've noticed like younger audiences fall for it i'm like why they're yeah. just brooding and annoying the whole time like and i know you're like well you like batman his character's already meant to be brooding thank you very much not every character needs to be brooding god damn it i, I yeah uh, you know 
Ladybird's also at a private, it's, it's, it's a private school and I went to a private school and there's like lines, like, um, uh, one of the teachers says, leave six inches for the Holy spirit, you know? And like that kind of stuff was said to me in school. Uh, so I don't know, maybe, maybe I am the intended audience for Lady Bird and I'm just now realizing it. I'm having an existential fucking moment and <laughs> say what you will, but, uh, I, I love, I, I love Greta Gerwig and I love Lady Bird. And I love little women. So I can't wait for Barbie. Are, are you saying that me and Connor are the intended audience for a movie about fish fucking? I, I guess you are. <laughs> I guess you guys are, you know, I guess fish sex was just on the menu for you guys. Um, <laughs> I do want to point out, I enjoyed Francis Ha and I enjoyed Little Willow Women. So I, I don't have anything personal against Greta Gerwig. I just didn't like it. Are, are you also well, well, watching the Barbie movie? I will see. Oh, yeah. yeah, I can't wait to see Barbie. Uh, Lady Bird is supposed, to be, is supposed to be Greta Gerwig's growing up. She's from Sacramento and she went to high school around that time in the early 2000s. It's supposed to be kind of like an autobiographical thing. So maybe you do hate Greta Gerwig. I'm very glad I didn't meet her when she was like 16. Thank God. Well, a lot of 16 year olds fucking suck. You know, I, I certainly was a piece of shit when I was like 15 or 16. I, I was a total, total prick thought I could do anything I wanted and was invincible. You know, <laughs> uh, I was, I was, yeah, I was a piece of shit. You guys probably would have hated in high school. Y'all probably been like that Austin guy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> I think like, I know personally, I wouldn't have reached out to anybody who was like that religious in the first place. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. We wouldn't have known each other because, uh, you know, yeah, well, obviously we didn't. I mean, y'all didn't go to school that far from me. I just went to a private school and y'all y'all did not. So we went to a small town, Texas, country, Bunkin public school. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've been this personality since I was like six. <laughs> like, honestly, like, yeah, yeah Connor development stopped early. <laughs> Connor hasn't changed uh, since I met him. Honestly, neither of you really. Yeah. I try to be the same. Must be nice. I've changed about 34 times uh, in my 27 years of living. You know, sometimes it's nice. Sometimes it, it hurts, you know. That's good. <laughs> growth, when growth is necessary, is very important. So I'm glad you, re- you re- recognize Yeah. Well, here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to grow by watching. I'll rewatch Darkest Hour for you, for, for you Connor. And, and, and I will... I might even rewatch the post. You never fucking know. You know what I like? Sh- Shape of Water is on is on my list. I will rewatch that one. I won't wait. I won't wait for a Best Picture show though. I'll actually watch that one in my own time. Give it, you know, give it, give it that fair shot. You know. I, I thought for a second you weren't going to say it. I'm like, you're not saying the movie that we all know. <laughs> yeah, that this 30 minute tangent started with. <laughs> yeah. Well, for the sake of consistency, I am gonna wait till we do a Best Picture showdown to watch Lady Bird. <laughs> Well, don't do that to me. You know, now, 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 now I feel like, well, if Connor's waiting, <laughs> I'm, I'm not the one who has to change here. You, you are. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Well, maybe, 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 maybe I'm right. And you guys need to change. I'm, I'm not I watching. He's doing Bird, great. So. He, he's doing great. <laughs> no, no, no. You don't need to watch Lady Bird. I'm saying maybe you guys need to change your opinion on fish sex. God, no. I am all about it. <laughs> Highly oh, Jesus this movie Christ. is more than fish sex. Damn it! Yeah. I uh, know that, but I love telling people that's about fish sex. I uh, absolutely love telling people that with a with a passion. <laughs> look, you're talking to a guy. Look at you'll see what I've added to my collection, Connor. You're talking to a guy that has like a movie with goddamn Tiny Tim in it. Is it a good movie? Not really. Yeah. But Tiny Tim through the tulips. 
That's good. That's good. Well, you know, let's get back on the rails maybe just a little bit uh, and, and get, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, we're getting out of fish sex now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I got to stop thinking about it. Um, pulling out, boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> I'm never gonna watch that motherfucking movie. <laughs> I lied to both of you. I'm uh, if we ever do a best picture showdown, Caleb, you're taking my spot. <laughs> I'm not doing that goddamn movie. Uh, I lied we to broke both him. of you. We, Caleb, we broke him. I didn't but, think it was I, we broke him. I wasn't expecting this moment. Yeah, I, you know, this this is what happens when you record for two and a half hours and, and you just Oh. You talk about you talk about get out for two of them. In the other thirty minutes, you're talking about the post and shape of water. <laughs> what the hell are we doing uh, on Wednesday? <laughs> Filmgasm episode one hundred ninety nine. We are continuing the Gauntlet, a Nightmare on Elm Street, an absolute classic. I imagine Caleb, you're very excited for this. I am. I actually watched the movie before the recording. It has been watched. My notes are taken. I'm ready to go. Um, I almost made a mistake on my piano last was saying we're concluding the gauntlet. I don't know why, but we're continuing when I'm on our feet and I can't wait. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, yeah, good. That's gonna be a good episode. Uh, Connor, when's the last time you saw this movie? Uh, earlier this year when I was um, oh, Christ. doing some prep for a uh, Wes Craven themed sneak preview. Ah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> but it's always a great watch. I'm happy to revisit. Hell yeah. All right. Good stuff. Uh, so you guys are, you guys are ready for that. Who's Christian? Who, who the hell? <laughs> Is this another fish sex guy or? Well, well, glad to hear you've been keeping up with the catalog. Um, <laughs> he's done two episodes with us. He's a buddy of mine from, from school. He, uh, he did Jeepers Creepers and the orphanage with me and he is very excited. Oh, okay. You've talked life. about it. You've yeah. talked to me about him before. Okay, so he's he's back. He's coming I, back. He's back. I, I I hope to God Christian listens to like every single episode we do. And he, he who the hell is home. Christian? <laughs> no, nobody is listening. They've given up. <laughs> <laughs> they have given up. I'm just doing this because this is how I try to try to finish the show. So Christian's done Jeepers Creepers. What's the other one? The orphanage. Orf- orphanage. Was that something he chose? Yeah, both of those he chose. Okay, you definitely told me about this guy. All right. You know, we got we got Caleb, we got Connor, Colton, Christian. I I could I don't know. It's the <laughs> fucking C Club. I need Josh back. God damn it. Me, <laughs> me, a, and, me and Connor are the originals, so let's just keep Yeah, yeah, that's just that's just how it is. Um, you know, yeah, y'all started this back in 2014. So, you know, let's put some respect on Caleb and Connor's name. Uh, even though they love the uh, shape of water. <laughs> uh Friday. <laughs> God damn it. Friday, uh, episode 30. Holy shit. I'll be on the bad. That's crazy. Uh, Endless Love. Tell us a little bit about that, Caleb. So, you know, I make the schedule (laughs) for Beyond Bad. And uh, I realized I should probably get out of my comfort zone, pick something I really don't like, genre. And somehow my mind went, yeah, do yourself a personal hell and do a romantic trauma. And not even one that's been like liked. It people don't like it. So uh, I know nothing. This is a first time watch. I just know it's a romantic trauma, so it's off to a bad start already for this beyond the bad episode. And I just can't wait to see what comes out of this episode. 
That's going to be great. God damn it. That's you and Connor, I imagine. Con- Connor, you've done almost 30 of these now with Caleb. What's, what's been the worst movie y'all watched? By far, Freddy Got Fingered. Nothing's top. Okay. Freddy Got Fingered. So that movie, if you look like on Letterboxd, there's like, there's a weird group of fuckers out there who have given it like four and five stars. Yeah. Well, what's, what's the story there? Like those, who, who, those people are absolutely fucking delusional and I don't yeah. understand what they saw in this at um, all. Somehow in my research that I compiled for all these episodes, uh, Freddy Got Fingered is one of those films that somehow gained a cult following over the yeah. years. And even comedians like Chris Rock have now named it like one of their favorite comedies. I don't know what happened. I don't know what's going on. But now it's actually considered a cult classic and the best thing that Tom Green has given society. Oh, like, well, that, good, good. That yeah. might be true, but I mean, what else is there to really compare it to? Stealing Harvard, great movie with him and Jason Lee. That movie is fucking funny. And Dennis Farina, oh, yeah, that movie's great. What is it, Road Trip? Or was it no, your... uh, Stealing Harvard. No, oh, yeah, Stealing Harvard. He's also in either Road Trip or Euro Trip. He was like a small he's, part. He's in Road Trip, yeah. Okay, I'm not yeah. counting stuff Tom Green was in, I'm counting stuff Tom Green made. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Let's let's just calm down there, Connor. Let's stop talking about Tom Green. I made a vow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's I don't know fantastic. why you're getting specific on Tom Green in that regard. <laughs> no, no, no. I want his good shit. What did he give us? What did he make? <laughs> what? God damn it. Tom Green, yeah, has gotten way too much uh talk here towards the end of this Oscar Sunday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, had, he had a whole beyond the bad episode. Let's let's I might just that's, 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 that's probably where he <laughs> don't you edit this out. This is yeah, wrong. Don't, he doesn't don't belong here and he never will. <laughs> no, yeah, no. This is... he gets this moment and that's it. Yeah, forever on this get out episode. But I don't know how we got here, but we did. Um there's a deer in Freddy got there's a deer and get it out. Holy yeah, boom. there you go. Yeah. Kevin Bacon somehow. I don't know. Six degrees of bacon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally, next week on this show, Oscar Sunday, we're doing a, a really cool movie from the 80s, 1988's Who Framed Roger Rabbit, 61st Academy Awards. We're gonna talk about Zemeckis, talk about some 80s shit. It's gonna be fun. Um, I think we've had this movie kind of on our back burner for a long time especially i know connor you're a huge fan so i'm, I'm excited oh god yeah I, i've loved this movie my whole life this is an amazing film and i'm excited to watch it again yeah fuck yeah man it's gonna be good well follow us on uh facebook twitter instagram all that shit filmgasm check out our website we got new reviews up nearly every day from mr connor himself occasionally occasionally the other guys will pop in but not very not <laughs> Not as often as Connor does. Connor churns those bitches out like it's nothing. And, uh, you know, we're having a blast. You know, we're we're, we're doing our our best work. We're approaching 200 episodes on film, guys. And uh, all of us are just kind of trying to have fun with it. And I believe we will have four of us on that show. God willing. That's uh, that's the plan. That's going to be great. Our 200th. We'll tell you guys on Wednesday what the movie is going to be for that 200th episode. Super excited. So. Uh, keep watching movies, guys, and uh, stay away from those fish and stay away, apparently stay away from 2002 Sacramento.